you lot. Here is the garage hammer. Episode 193. On tonight's episode, the smart manling is back from across the ocean. And he's going to tell us what a wonderful adventure he had. And then the manlings are going to finally finish with the elf nonsense. Because already three hours and then another come on. They're elves. What's to know? Nothing. Uh, shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage U-Tools. For the next three hours or thereabouts, we will do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you the changing times, tales from the road, and some very fishy facts. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm JJ Bittenbinder. Street Smarts! You won't get this. I know you won't get this. Thank you for setting me up for failure, Dave. I'm sorry. I just, hey, I'm trying to do something that, uh, you know, I try to pick stuff that was recent with me. You should watch the John Mulaney special on uh, on Netflix. He's a comedian. Who? John Mulaney, oh. a comedian. He's funny. And he's okay. from Chicago. And he talks about this guy, J.J. Bittenbinder, who basically went to public school, like elementary schools, like for 20 years, telling kids... You know, as a policeman, how to, like, stay safe and have street smarts and avoid things. And he sort of made a, a fantastic comedy routine of it. And I was listening to him talk about this, and they had a picture of the guy. And I'm like, I saw that guy. Like, I did it for 20 years. And I, I'm like, I, my kids are like, Dad, you're, like, 10 years older than him. I'm like, they just said he did it for 20 years. Like, I totally saw this guy. He came to my school. So, street smarts. So, there's nothing to do with anything. But that's it. No, it doesn't. And his name is legit J.J. Bittenbinder. It's fantastic. Sure. Okay. So. um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Sponsor time. Because, yeah, you're you're just, you're not. Oh, yeah. I'm not not hooking you with this one, so. No, no, sir. I'm not Bittenbindered at all. Um, So, as always, you need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer. Which include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. And Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. For all your basing needs and other cool things, check them out. Six Squared Studios. And then we have our other two. Yes. Yes. No. Maybe so. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we'll start with couple of dear friends, the TC War Room in beautiful Traverse City, Michigan. You ain't wrong. No, you ain't. And then Black Dog Hobby and Game in Loves Park, Illinois. So, I have yeah. to go there, like, legit go and check it out, because I got nothing. Like, I got KSR Superstore and Square Studios, and, you ain't, and I got nothing for this place. Yeah, it's... I have no witty anything. Oh, none of it is witty, but I have no, th- no, I have no rejoinder to add to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to figure it out. I just don't have the creativity you do. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Here, here's how you have it. Just say anything that pops into your head. Some of it will work. Most of it will get people to tell you how much they dislike you. Pineapple? There you go. See? Perfect. It doesn't work at okay, all. Yeah, most macho. Pineapple or knife. Say wow, it. I'm sorry, Say folks. It. What? Answer. What? The question. Forget it. Who's on first? Si, correcto. Pineapple, let's macho. 
<laughs> Folks, I'm really sorry. It's, I thought this was going to go better today. No, no, it isn't. It's not. <laughs> All right, see, now time for the Patreon sponsors. Oh, my goodness, he hung up on me. Great googly moogly. Hold on. Hello? Hello. Did you hang up on me? Did you hang up on me? No. I was making terrible jokes, and then you went quiet, and then it was dead, and I was just like, he hung up on me. I'm not even editing no. this out. That's too That's too good. My jokes have no, gotten so bad that the line just died. Sure. I'm that, fairly confident that was Skype's way of telling us that, that guys, this is a waste of their services. <laughs> the actual. <laughs> oh, hey, now I got to hit that. Sorry. <sighs> okay. <sighs> it's time for our Patreon sponsors, because, which now I guarantee you in about five minutes after listening to this, it's going to be less. But let's thank you, our associate producers on Patreon, Phil Elliott and Dwight Sims, the executive producers, Misty Tempel, Big Jake, and Nicholas Nafliotis. And we have our newest sponsors, Christopher Rowe, who I will get back to in a minute, and Blade Duel. Blade Duel. B-L-A-E-D-D-E-U-E-L. If that is his real name, that's fantastic. Yes, that is definitely a badass name. Yeah. And thank you to them the new sp- and all the people who have been with us for a while. Thank you, everyone, for becoming the 1%. The, the 1%. The elite that make this show and everything we do possible. Now, I said I was going to get back to Chris Rowe, and I am real quick, so we can get through. we got a couple of bits of info before the break. Um, Chris actually not only came on as a Patreon sponsor, but he sponsored just this episode uh, in particular. And he was asking that I let everyone know. Uh, he's got a short story collection called Telling the Map, and it is available wherever books are sold. And I was kind of surprised because uh, uh, Chris Rowe is a was a finalist for the Hugo, the Nebula, World Fantasy Awards, and, I'm like, and like a legit writer. And he listens to the show, which I was like, wow, okay. Um, that was cool. That was very cool. So he asked if I would plug his book, and I just Telling the Map. Short story collection by Chris Rowe. Uh, he's a listener. He is a Patreon patron, and he's a Seraphon player. So, very um, cool. Yeah. Oh, and uh, hey, get this. Uh, you know the dude on the? Uh, maybe. Oh, you didn't. It was the last episode when Chris was here. Um, we had a voicemail, and it was a dude from Utah, and he was looking oh. for players in Utah, and we got okay. Uh, I got a guy named Bjorn who said Shiv Games in Salt Lake City has a good community out there. And Shiv, Shiv. That's that's how it. That's I, I just read it like it was wrote. S H I V. Shiv Games in Salt Lake City, Utah, has a good okay. game community. Uh, and Dave Durant on the Facebook page said. Uh, what part of Utah? I'm in South Utah County. Dragons Keep and Spanish Fork and Lehigh seem to have good AOS groups. And Black Fire in Linden. They play every Wednesday. Outside of Utah Valley, he doesn't know much, except he believes there's a game workshop store in one of the Salt Lake Valley malls. So, like, a bunch of people chiming in, getting some info for the for the Utah people looking for a gaming community. Hi, everybody in Utah. It's excellent, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, so those are the emails and the responses to the last voicemail. And speaking of the voicemail, we have the voicemail. We have two short ones. We do ones. have voicemail. And we got two short ones. So now, I, Dave. Yes? I didn't do it while I was in England. No, you did not. Because I'm a loser. No. But if I was to call and leave a voicemail, do you know the number? Well, if you're calling in America, it's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Most international callers should dial 00. And then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. So um, that's how you would call. And then when you do call, you leave a message. And, like, here's one of them. Let me get this one ready and going here. Hi, this is new listener and newish hobbyist Christopher Rowe calling from Lexington, Kentucky. I know there's been just no news at all to talk about an Age of Sigmar recently, so I have a suggestion. Spend three hours talking about how awesome Seraphon are. Thank you. So that was Chris Rowe, who I just talked about, and he left a message, and he wants to spend three hours talking about how awesome Seraphon are. Well... I mean, we did talk a little bit about how awesome Seraphon are where we get to the toolbox, thanks to the, yep. few, thanks to the yep. magic of editing. <laughs> um, so we do hit a, hit that a little bit. Yes. Um, we do, you know? yeah. Hey, look, they're good. And we have the old episode. If, if new cool stuff happens with them in the, in the new edition, we will definitely be talking about them again. Mm-hmm. We're getting a lot, of, a lot of requests for Blades of Corn uh, review. And I'm like, dude, we're trying right now. We're behind, and we're going to be behind, I think. Well, we have Blades. We have Daughters. We have Iron Jaws. And I think those are the only ones we haven't touched. I think. Yeah, I think those are the lost ones. (laughs) Saving them for a rainy day. Oh, man. The rain is coming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're, yeah, we're not. We're, I don't see drought in the forecast, but they're there. We're, we just that's, that's saying something when I can't keep up with the book releases. Yeah, and it's gonna get. Oh yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah. So you said we have another voicemail. We do. We have one more. This is Zach from Idaho. I'm gonna play this one right now. Hey, this is Zach from Idaho, and I just wanted to say thank you for putting out such an awesome show. Uh, you guys are the reason I've actually gotten into Age of Sigmar. Uh, just recently started playing 40K, but uh, because of you guys, I started picking up some uh, some death and uh, some deepkin. And I want to say keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Death and deepkin. That was very nice. Not, yeah. a, not a bad mix, death and deepkin. Uh, unless, of course, you know, you, you forgot Stormcast, but... I it's just like, okay. I just like to say that to upset Elric because he gets he gets crazy about all the stormcast. It's fun to agitate him. Um, I couldn't imagine that you'd love to agitate Elric. <laughs> Actually, we got along really good at at at, uh, at Adepticon. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, dude, we couldn't be on the, on a show together. That would just that would no, that would get crazy. That would get. We'd get on each other too quick. I think that's everything. 
That's everything. Yeah. So let's take a break. Come back. We're gonna do the news uh, quickly. Just sort of like, hello, we're not pretending this isn't happening. And then we got to move because we got three hours already in the can about about uh, uh, Deepkin and South Coast GT and all that other awesome sauce. So we'll be right back. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back with Garage Hammer News Network. Oh boy. There's new stuff coming. Lots of it. There is a lot of new stuff coming. Um, So, unless you've been living under a rock, um, and if you have been, I'm glad you listened to us under your rock. Um, In any event, so... Second edition is coming. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, three years into life cycle, we are now on AOS second edition. Um, I don't think I have to stress this, but this is a huge release for Age of Sigmar. Um, it's going to bring in a lot of very awesome uh, changes. Um, and just from my perspective, it's been a real treat. Uh, to be a part of this whole process, and I really hope that you guys sincerely enjoy the changes that have been made. Um, and you guys can see all of the previews up on the Warhammer community site. We're not going to go into all the big details here, because um, you guys have to keep up faster on the Warhammer community web pages. And they literally um, put it out there like a week or so ago, so... Everybody's seen yeah. the pictures. Everybody's seen all the cool death stuff. All the cool that that black coach is nice. Um, yeah, the bananas black coach uh, that was teased at Adepticon uh, that we got to see that come to fruition, and it's gigantic. Yeah. And it's actually good looking, which is a good start. Um, then you have the new uh, various night haunt units, the new night haunt characters. Um, the new Knight of Shrouds on a horse yeah. is ridiculous, uh, and that's a starter kit model. Uh, I just—it still boggles my mind all of the new stuff that we've got coming, and then Sigmar the hell I can't. And you know what? I think it's about time they opened another chamber. 
There's I, I yeah. want I want them open. I'm tired of the wait. Open, the, so I'm excited. There's a new chamber. I haven't even painted or built any of the Chocobos from the old chamber yet. They're sitting on a shelf in a box. But we got another chamber. Yeah, more stuff to put on the shelf in a box. I'm excited. No, no, no. He'll be painting these very quickly. Uh, I don't paint quickly, but I will be doing that. Yes, I will, because, oh, I'm excited. Yeah, and this is like a box that's like tailor-made for you, ain't it? Yeah, yeah, literally, I mean, what was it? Just a couple months before Adepticon, I was selling off anything I wasn't going to build immediately or or, uh, or something I couldn't part with. So, like, I have my original dwarves from, you know, my first army. I have, I have my death army, which is huge because between my stuff and the stuff I won from Chris Tomlin... And I got the Stormcast and everything else. Well, and, this, and my Ultramarines. Everything else I got rid of. And so I got rid of all that. I said, I'm just going to focus on rebasing and painting death and finishing my Stormcast. And then they're like, hey, look at this. More death and Stormcast. I said, yes. Made the mm-hmm. right choice. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. And they've been doing the faction focuses and teasing changes, the new endless spells. Um, so... There is just entirely too much good stuff coming, and I would imagine very soon. Yeah, uh, they keep saying June, and I'm just like, oh, I hope it's not while I'm on vacation. It probably will be just for spite. <laughs> they can't give you everything. Yeah, but uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm stoked. Uh, every, everything I'm seeing popping on Warhammer, I'm like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Um. They're cool things, and you know, I don't. You know, you read it, and you're like, "That sounds neat," and then you're like, "Oh, wait, how does this work with this? How does I'm figuring? I'm not even worrying about that. How does it work with X, Y, or Z? I'm more just like this. This sounds cool, and once I get everything, I can go through it and really start putting all the bits together. Yeah, and that's the thing, folks. Like, there's the sky is not falling. Things are not going bananas. We are not heading towards a Mad Max apocalypse with Age of Sigmar. No, the book's um, coming out in a month, though, which means that you can st- start your grumbling now. Yeah, just relax, folks. Yeah, it's awesome. It's going to um, be awesome. I don't know what's awesome. I haven't played it, and I don't get no tips. I just know it's coming. Yeah, so it's going to be a big summer. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, I am I am super stoked, honestly, for this Um uh, you know, Christopher's like, so quickly? I'm like, it was three years, dude. What do you, you know? Well, he's just coming back in now. Yeah, that's but... the other thing, yeah. Dude, everything I'm seeing with the command points and how they get used now instead of just using your command traits, I'm like, I like that better. Like, I just, I, I like the I like the idea of it. I'm already sitting in my head going, I could do this, 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 and this. That would be cool. This would be cool. Like, I don't know all the rules, but from the little things that's dropping, I'm just kind of looking at my list going, this can be so much neater. This could be so much, so much different. So, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm excited. I'm not worrying about broken or nerf or 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 uh, unusable because I haven't seen all the stuff. I've seen enough to wet my whistle. That's you know, and that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're not going to dive too much into that, though, are we? No. Definitely no. check out the Warhammer community um, and keep up with that. That is going to be the place for your information. 
just because they release multiple tidbits a day. And there are people that put a lot of hard work and effort into those uh, free tidbits and the faction focuses, so we should definitely check them out and reward their work, as it were, appreciate their work. So, that's just me. Um, and then, the thing that broke the internet, apparently, uh, Warhammer Adventures? Yeah. So they're writing uh, basically uh, kid-friendly books. Uh, from the looks on the drawing, it looks like for 8 to 10, but they're saying it's from anywhere from, you know, I guess 10 to 14. Um, yeah, I, th- I can see this going like 8 to 12, if not a little older, depending. I tell you who's going to like this is Kira. Yeah. She's, she's been asking me for stuff. she's been asking me for stuff to read. I can't give her like first of all the 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 vocabulary. She's just going to be like, "Ugh, I can't read all this." You know, what am I going to do? Hand her a 300-page book, you know, and it's like she wants some th- some something she can she can just get into right away, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh you know, she's also kind of a girly girl. Like she doesn't like anything that's gross or too icky. Like she likes Warhammer cuz it's fun and you're playing with the models. And yeah, the models are killing other models, and that's that's how the game works, right? But like, she doesn't even like to look at my death army because she doesn't like like zombie anything scares the bejesus out of her. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's just not that like this. She'll get into it. She likes Warhammer already. Here, here's more stuff. Keep you interested. Keep playing. Yeah. You know, keep doing stuff. You know, keep painting. Don't just drop this, you know. And, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing at some point in her late teens she'll be like, this, I, you know, I like other humans. Um, I don't want to hang out in the basement with you. But, you know, if she's into it, that's really cool. And this is the perfect thing for someone like her who wants to read stories with some of these characters but doesn't need all the All the, all the extra. Yeah. And- you know, at some point, if they stick with the hobby, they're going to have to learn about, you know, some of the darker subject matter. And with the stuff that we've seen, we're definitely heading to a darker place with Age of Sigmar. But there still needs to be an entry point for people to get into it. And right. if this is a different route for people to get into it, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. And you can have that with a, with a much more uh, – with a much less uh, – graphic less visceral storytelling um you know what like i said she's in sixth grade when i was in sixth grade i was i was you know just i mean i I can't judge the book by this cover just because they've got you know little you know pseudo anime kids on it doesn't mean it's an eighth it's an eight-year-old level book who knows what's in it you know i haven't seen it but i know she's excited to read it and i know she's gonna read it and i mean she hears me and the guys talking when we're sitting around you know, talking about the newest stories in the lore. She knows that there's there's nasty stuff out there. Heck, she sees all the Nurgle stuff. She thinks the Nurgle stuff's gross. She's like, I don't want to have to play against that, Dad. I don't want to look at that for the whole game. Like, that's how she is. And I'm like, that's cool. You know? Like, she's aware it's there. She doesn't. She's not interested in it now. When she gets older, if she is, there you go. Here's more of it. But for now, if it'll, if it'll keep her interested, I am 100% for it. Yeah. So it's just some good options, and I would – just like to also say that that little warrior priestess or engineer or whoever it is, she looks like a badass. So <laughs> I don't know. I think it's definitely a good sign from GW that they are trying to really engage people and not just nerds like us, but like actual real people to try to join 
with us and join the community and to get kids interested at a younger age. Cause I don't know. And there's just so many benefits to this hobby as a hobby, never mind playing the game. So just, I don't know, take a chill pill folks. This is just a great way to do it. And they've even said from black library that this does not change their production schedule. This is just one more thing that they are adding. Yep. And realistically, and it's not even coming out so what? late next year. It said, Sometime next year, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's going to be a while. But when it comes out, I'm, hey, I'll pick it up. She'll sure. read it. I'll read it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. It's nothing that's that anybody should really be worried about. If anything, kudos. Exactly. Serious kudos. So, you know what? Let's let's call it here on the news. Um, yeah. I know there's other things and people, you know, there's been FAQs and this, that, and the other. And I suppose there was, a, it was supposedly an FAQ for Shadespire, and I must have missed it because when I looked at the FAQ, I didn't see anything about those, whatever it was, that there's a big hubbub about. The relics? Yeah. Yeah, There's there's been some changes to that, but um, before we end the news, I do need to do a couple of shout-outs. Okay. Um, the first of which, um, and we didn't get to talk about this, uh, I went to a couple of tournaments. In addition to South Coast, I've done three tournaments in the last five or six weeks. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. I've done three so, tournaments last this year, in the past 12 months. Yeah. Um, so the first of which was the Bruce City Brawl in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, it was a 40-player event run by the guys from Milwaukee Club. Uh, they gave away a very awesome uh, table's worth of terrain uh, that realistically could be two tables that the guys put a lot of effort into, raised a lot of money for... Uh, suicide prevention, which is really cool. Um, I ended up taking second place and best order with my Stormcast list. So nice. chuffed for that. Um, it was a lot of fun. And they're talking about growing and expanding it next year. So if you can make it, please do. It was a well-run event. Uh, Brendan and Bryce did a fantastic job. Um, then Pat Gannon, who does the Grimdark Live YouTube channel, uh, he ran an event on Armed Forces Day, so it was just this past Saturday. Um, he had 34 players at Grognard for just a random one-day event. I uh, saw so that, yeah. A, yeah, there's a ton of people. Um, it was a really good time. I got to play Destruction, and I was so good that I scared all, all the other Destruction players away because I was the only Destruction player. Uh, you knocked the fight out of them. Yeah. Everyone was so intimidated by Moon Clan Grotz. Um, you knocked the fight out of him. There you go. Uh, so we've got that. And then uh, Black Dog Hobby and Game, uh, one of our fantastic sponsors, yep, yep. is actually going to be running a second edition tournament on July 7th. Uh, we're going to have spots for about 16 to 18 people in the store. So if you guys can make it, uh, please contact the store uh, via the Facebook page, um, which is just Black Dog Hobby and Game. Uh, they got a phone number on there as well. Uh, so that'll be uh, se- July 7th. Uh, we're working on times and everything right now. So we're going to have spots for about 16 to 18 people. If you are going to the Midwest Meltdown, which is conveniently two weeks later on the 21st and 22nd down in Peoria, being run by the most excellent Domus, um, and Tom McClure, that's a good way to get some practice in with your second edition list. 
if you're going to be going down there. So, sorry. I had to do a couple of cheap plugs. Actually, you got to go with it. I got one, too. Uh-oh. Uh, I got this. This I got an email from Dominic Abogado. And Dominic uh, asked if we could give a little shout-out. They're running a tournament on June 2nd. 2,000-point farewell to AOS first edition tournament at Sword and Board in Toronto. And they um, apparently are going to be doing something later that they mentioned. Might as well mention it now. They'll be doing a tournament at the Fan Expo. It's a large convention in Toronto. Uh, They were given the opportunity to run uh, run a GT there. So they've been running a GT at the Fan Expo tournament. Uh, GT will take place on Saturday and Sunday, first uh, and second of September. They're also planning Shadespire events and open narrative games on Thursday and Friday. And uh, their Facebook group is Age of Sixmar. It's Age mm-hmm. of the number six I X M A R. So check them out. He asked if we would plug his tourney, and and why not? So. Yeah, and if you've never been to Toronto, it is a gorgeous town. It reminds me of Chicago, but a lot cleaner. Hey, Scott, we're going to Pizza Pizza for a slice. No? No. Scott Pilgrim versus the World takes place in Toronto. You do realize that I've tried to block that one out of my mind? I love that movie. I hated it. Oh, my God. Edgar Wright's a genius. The way that thing is filmed is beautiful. I love Edgar Wright's films. I couldn't tell. Mm, so good. Come on. He did the, the Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and he had his fingerprints on Ant-Man. You could see that, even though they didn't let him finish it. I haven't seen Ant-Man. Oh, then he's a baby driver. Okay, what? forget it. You, forget it. Also, uh, on June 2nd and 3rd, I'm going to be at the Bug Eater GT in Omaha, Nebraska. So if you're going there, please come up and say hi. Uh, there's going to be a couple of us coming from the northern Illinois area, so please come up and say hi. Um, and now I think that's all the plugs. All right. Well, um, okay. So you know what? Let's uh, let's just jump into the the toolbox. Brought to you by Chaos Arc Superstore. Chaos Arc Superstore. Chaos Arc Superstore. Chaos Arc Superstore. So um, before we jump completely into the toolbox, because we have a very special toolbox for you tonight, folks. Um, I just want to put out full disclosure. I'm really glad that the toolbox is happening this way because I've done nothing for weeks. Like, it's like since before you, you know, since you last recorded with me a month ago. You know, we had Chris on and that. I, I my, Even my, my book where I log everything I do per day, and if I don't do anything, I mark that. I got four blank weeks because I never even picked up the recording, the the, the, the journal. Because, and I've done stuff. Like, I've recorded the show since then. I haven't even recorded that in the journal because I've been so swamped with real life. So I'm glad that you did a whole cool hobby thing because I'm embarrassed at how little hobby I've been doing in the past month. So... <laughs> It makes me it's sad. okay. So, for those of you who don't know, Alex, uh, Alex went to the South Coast GT. He got to go to England. Went with his wife. They did sightseeing. They did cool stuff. I was here grading papers. So, my exciting part of this story doesn't exist. So, Alex, dude, you went to Warhammer World, and then you went to the South Coast GT. 
I did. That's awesome. I did. And it was kind of weird that, you know, you always talk about going to Warhammer World as like one of those hobby ambition goals. And suddenly you're there and it's not what you were expecting. Uh, so for those that haven't done the trip before, uh, Carrie and I were staying in London and we took an hour and a half train up to Nottingham. And then you take a tram from the train station to a stop about a quarter mile, half mile past the compound. And I say compound because it's several buildings. Nice. And then you have to walk back across a little creek to the compound. And you get there. And there's one little separate building that I'm assuming is their corporate office. And then you get the main Warhammer world. You get the Rhino APC in front of it. So naturally, I took a picture with the. I took a picture of the Rhino. I didn't take a picture with the Rhino. Um, and then you go into the building, and there's some cool displays and some stuff like that. Like right when you walk in, and then you walk up a flight of stairs to get to the floor proper, and you walk right into this massive Games Workshop store. With a gigantic uh, Black Library section. And if you've been in a Games Workshop, Dave, when was the last time you were in a Games Workshop? Like an actual workshop. An actual Games Workshop store? A couple years ago. Okay. Actually, quite a few years ago, come to think of it. Yeah. How many people were working the day you went in? Well, last time, one. You know, there was, at a time, there was two. I remember when there were two. But if I told you that on a Wednesday afternoon there were six or seven people working the store. Well, that wouldn't surprise me because it's Warhammer World. You would think it would be necessary, but that's that's great. Okay. So you walk in and it's not cramped at all. It's big, it's spacious, it's not like little games workshop closets that we have over here. Uh-huh. Um, and this is just the purchasing space. There's a black library section. There's a couple of leather armchairs that you can sit down and read a book at if you really wanted to. And they have tons of display cabinets of just assembled models. So this way you can actually see what the model looks like before you buy it. Nice. So that's all well and cool. And then they have racks of the Warhammer exclusive of the Warhammer World exclusive merchandise, including shirts and mugs. Um, and then obviously the Warhammer World exclusives for uh, Age of Sigmar and 40k. Uh, and then they have a separate Forge World store, which was crewed by three guys. That weren't part of the seven of, guys. Huh? That weren't part of the other seven guys. No. Nice. There was three of them on a Wednesday afternoon just talking Forge World. Okay. All right, you know, I, I don't want to make fun, but it's kind of it's. A, I think it might be a little bit sad that we're so excited that look they have employees, but well, I mean we're used to we're one used to two to man guy. stores, yeah. and that was our previous experience. So I to remember see this many guys working the shop was a lot. I remember being at the store and the manager's like, "Everyone's got to get out. We're closing for lunch." Like because he had to go to lunch. Yeah. And we'd go across the parking lot to the Burger King and hang out for an hour and then come back. Yeah. 
And that's what we did at my workshop before they closed it down out here. We went across the street to the Taco Bell or the Pop Bellies yep. for a half an hour until Andrew got done with his lunch. It was just a thing we had to do. Yeah. But um, so there's all these guys working the counter. And then even in the Forge World section, there's cabinets full of assembled Forge World, like including the big Eldar Wraith Titans, like the big two foot ones. Um there was a stack of six rogue idols of Gork just <laughs> chilling in boxes. It's like, what in the heck are they doing? <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so, so did you get to see like the Titans and stuff? Yeah, they had a couple of the Titans put together um, and all that. So I want a Titan. I don't know why. Yeah. I couldn't put it together proper. I couldn't do it justice painting it. But I want a Titan. It's okay. Um, Harrison's so then, car costs less than a Titan, though. That's the problem. Yeah. So then there's about, uh, I don't know, a bunch of tables in there. Um, it was definitely more than 30. I mean, obviously, they've accommodated like up to 100 people. Yeah. Uh, or up to 200 people for the heats. So there's plenty of space in there. There's plenty of tables. And all of these tables, and they're all gorgeous, immaculately done. And there was probably about 15, 16 folks in there playing 40K. I didn't see a single group of guys playing Age of Sigmar, uh, which is really kind of unfortunate. They've all got and jobs. Then... <laughs> they all get jobs. <laughs> Some people work the weekends, Dave. Uh, uh, I'm just joking, dude. I'm just. I know. If I could be down there on a Wednesday afternoon, I would totally ditch school early and go hang out on a Wednesday afternoon and play Warhammer. So. No, I oh, it. I know. Uh, so they have all this massive area, and then they have the Warhammer uh, live area off on the one side of the room, okay. which is their table, their setup, their commentary area. And then there's a paint bar that separates that area from the main table space. Cool. And then you keep going into Bugman's, and Bugman's is just this massive open-air-type tavern it's like there's no walls. It's this massive room. And it's got a couple little tables sectioned off into small little alcoves. And there were GW employees having meetings in Bugman's and some of these alcove tables just talking about stuff and everything's cool. They have a fireplace in there and there's a patio. So this where you could walk outside and actually enjoy it. It's a balcony, technically. But whatever. And then there's a little garden outdoor seating area in between the Warhammer world main building and their design studio corporate building. Cool. Um, and there's a walkway connecting Bugman's to that building. So this way you can actually go there from the office, get food. Um, the food wasn't that bad. Uh, the beer <laughs> was okay. I did have a Bugman six X oh, and yeah? that was okay. I did get it in a bottle. And I kept the bottle. Well, of course. Of course. Um, and then we did the museum tour. Uh, they're like big displays and right. everything like that. They had all the armies out, um, all the heavy metal models put together. Uh, it was just nonstop hobby goodness. And there was one room in there. It's the Battle of Angelus Prime or something like that. It's this massive display that is you have to take a staircase 
down around it. Yeah, I saw the picture. To appreciate it. And you can, like, I took a picture with Carrie Ann for scale. So this way everyone could really see how big this thing is. And it's got five or six Titans on it. It's got tons of building kits, tons of flying everything. And they got lights that change and music. And they have a little nifty competition where if you can find one of the four assassins on the table and show it to a staff member and be the first one to do it, you get one for free. Yeah, I know a guy who, uh, a listener, emailed me, and he's like, I was there, I found it like 10 minutes, I was, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, so I, then they move I it. couldn't find one. Yeah he, yeah, he found one. He's like, I found it like 10 minutes, it was insane. I'm like, lucky you, like, that was cool. He's like, yeah, I got a free one. I'm like, wow. Then they go move it. Yeah. So I thought I saw a Vindicare, but that's the Sniper one for those that aren't familiar. And then it was just a Sniper Scout, and it's like, okay, that was fun. Uh, So, no, but it was just awesome just to see the level of display and the quality of the miniatures that they have in there. Uh, Definitely worth the uh, poundage to get in there. So went there, had some time to kill, hung out in Bugman's for a little while, um, met up with Ben Johnson – who is one of the awesome community guys. He does a lot of good stuff for workshop and for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to talk some stuff and then I got to play a game with Sam on the live stream. And Sam is one of their rules writers. He did the hinterlands, uh, campaign structure before he started working for workshop. Oh, okay. So you can watch our game back on the live stream. Uh, it was my Stormcast versus his Blades of Corn in Scorched Earth, and that was a lot of fun. Sam and I played a really good game. We had to rush out of there because, like, right during the middle of Battle Round 3, Carrie tapped me on the shoulder, and it's like, Alex, our train leaves at 9. And I said, yeah. Are you almost done? Because we are probably not going to make this train at this rate. I kept telling her, it's like, it's okay. It's going to be fine. So... During the middle of Hellron 4, as we're putting stuff away and everything like that, like as soon as the game wrapped and we ran out of time, I pretty much shook Sam's hand, said thanks to the team, and we had to run to the tram. And on our way to the tram, we walked right past Duncan and Chris, uh, Chris Peach. Yeah. And I couldn't even like say hi to them because we're running for the tram, and we okay. just barely made the train back to London. Um, and it was an hour wait if we had not made that train. Oh. At which point, Carrie would have berated me for over an hour as we were trying to get new tickets. So if you're going to go to Warhammer World and you're going to be there, I would strongly recommend getting a room in Nottingham. It's this way you don't have to do what I did. But any event. So, no, Warhammer World was a lot of fun. I bought a mug for myself. That is all I bought at Warhammer World. Um, but, you know, it was just... An awesome experience. Strongly recommend you do it at least once. Well, if I ever get over out of the United States, I plan on going. But we don't know when that's ever going to be. Yeah. Um, So we did that on the Wednesday. And then uh, before we get to South Coast, I do want to do a quick shout out to a couple of guys. Um, The first of which was Paul Meredith. Um he goes by Finrear on Twitter. 
Um, we had just yep. posted up saying, hey, we were looking to hang out with somebody. And Paul responded, and we went and got a couple of ciders and just talked about stuff. And he was an absolute gent. Um, really enjoyed spending time with him. If you're in London, look him up. He plays at the main uh, central London Warhammer store. Um, primarily doing painting right now, but awesome guy to hang out with. And we tried to get back to his store on Thursday night because I wanted to give him one of the garage hammer dice and it just didn't happen Thursday night, unfortunately. Um, and then Friday, uh, we went, rented a car. So, Oh, thank you, Carrie. Um, and then we were staying at a hotel in the Latham Lambeth, Lambeth, sorry, in the Lambeth area. And there was a game store, Two blocks from our hotel, um, underneath uh, the rail, and we ran into a couple of guys there uh, at the game store, which is uh, Dark Sphere. So, hi, Jamie, Hugh, and Will. Um, we just got to talking with them for a little bit of time, uh, just hanging out. They were getting ready to go to the uh, London GT, the uh, team tournament uh, wow. that Fridays they were trying out. Was that the same weekend? That wasn't the same weekend. Or no, no, it was the weekend. It was just this last weekend. Yeah, it was the weekend after. At time yeah. of recording, yeah. Okay. So um, we got to run into them, and I told them I'd give them a shout. So hi, guys. Cool. Um, and if you guys are on Twitter or on the Facebook page, please hit me up. Um, I forget whose army it was, but it was this gorgeously converted Clan Scryer Skaven army, and just really immaculately done. And I didn't get pictures of it and i probably should have because i'm kind of kicking myself for it what's the matter with you i'm sorry <laughs> um so the drive down to the south coast so the south coast is in Horndean, and we were driving from gatwick airport which is about a half an hour outside of london by train okay so we rented a car and we were going through uh the rental agency and the gal at the desk, we reserved like a four-door automatic sedan, something small that would just be fine for the two of us in our gear. Well, she tries to talk me up into a Jaguar it's like, <laughs> at like 40-something pounds a day. And we're just driving an hour and a half. It's going to sit for two days, and then we're going to drive back. And it's like there is no way I'm going to spend 180 pounds for three hours in a car. Sure. Even if it is a Jag. So she then grabs the keys to a Benz and hands them to me. I'm like, I'm not paying for an upgrade. And she's like, no, no, this is the only sedan we have available. We're not charging you extra. Oh, nice. I got to drive a Benz on the wrong side of the road and the wrong side of the car. Um, So that was a fun experience. If you've ever done it, it's not as bad as it sounds. But roundabouts are tricky. So. Just be prepared because you're going three lanes in the wrong direction and yep. trying to figure out where you have to get in, get out and everything. So that was a lot of fun. Made the drive amazing. Um, so we got down to Horndean and running into everybody. Now, the venue itself is a high school, what we would consider a high school. Okay. Um, and they have a bar in the high school. Nice. Now, people over here are going to say, oh, that's a little odd. But for 
how they do things over there. The schools are expected to raise a certain percentage of money on their own. So they rent out their space for different events, for theaters, for weddings, whatever. So they have a bar in there so they can help support the funding for the school. And they lock it up when the kids are there, obviously. Um, <laughs> so, and, or they sell like pop or coffee or whatever, but they don't dispense during the day. So they have it so, so they can help support the school, which is really cool. So uh, we're set up in the gym and in the little foyer area. And they have about maybe 70... 75 tables set up um, and they're all four by sixes. Um, there's not a lot of wiggle room in between the lanes. Like if you've played at Adepticon or any other like big GTs in the area, it's actually very cushy how much room we have in between each row. Oh yeah. So over there we had a little bit of booty touch, but it was not as obnoxious. Like people have seen the pictures of the London GT where they were kind of crammed in there, unfortunately. So, I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it was still, there was enough space. You could definitely move around. Um, so, that Friday night, as a pickup game, just hanging out with people, I got to play against uh, Brian Carmichael, also known as Brian the Hobby Killer. Um, <laughs> for a guy that has the nickname of the Hobby Killer, you could not have asked for one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. Um, and he was playing a really filthy mixed order list. Did you beat him? Did you get him? Um, I did, actually. We played one of the Malign Portent scenarios. Oh, yeah? Uh, because they did do that for two of the f- six games at the South Coast. Um, and I was actually able to sneak it by one. Nice! Um, yeah, one of the portents is you pick one of your units at the start of the combat phase, and this is five points out of your 12, but that unit is immune to rend. Oh, and that's the one I took. He threw three Frostheart Phoenixes at a Star Drake with a zero up reroll ones immune to Ren save. Yeah. We Who? just stood there and hit each other for about an hour. Who's the hobby killer now? Huh? Who's your hobby nah. killer now? It didn't go that way, but it was an awesome game with Brian. Um, he was one of those guys that I definitely wanted to play. Um, oh yeah. While we were over there, and no, definitely he's good yes, people. he is really awesome. Um, so that was like four Frostheart Phoenixes, some Canaries, some Skinks, and four Dark Elf Bolt Throwers. Uh, they kept those because the change was so new. So, and that's fine. I didn't care. It was that's just uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So no, he was a riot, and I definitely wanted to get another game in with him. Um. So, I only got in one game uh, that night, which was fine. There was definitely more gaming to be had. Um, so, then I woke up the next morning, and my first draw, I'm playing against a um, gentleman named Sam. Uh, I believe, I'm going to butcher his last name, but I believe it was Suel. Um, and he was playing uh, Legion of Blood, double zombie dragon vampire lord um, legion list. Uh, just a tons of skeletons, a bunch of Graveguard, the two big guys on dragons. And he had converted the Marathi on foot into a vampire. Oh. Uh, so that was a really sweet conversion. Um, and we were playing uh, 
Battle for the Pass, so going long ways. Um, it was a good game. I ended up getting him in the end, um, but still uh-huh. really fun game. Uh, and then, so I'm rocking on max points going into game two, and on table 13, I pulled Jack Armstrong. Um, and Jack <laughs> is one of the best players in the UK. Uh, he's playing the Vanguard wing that everyone said is dead and buried. Um, it's not. Jack obviously went on and went and went the distance. He won the event uh, playing the Vanguard wing. Um, he's a good guy. He's really intense. Uh, if you've ever played Jack, he is a nice guy, but he does take things a little serious and he's been itching to win this event. He's, I guess it's escaped him a couple of years in a row now. <laughs> um, so he was a little keen to win and I get it. Um, he's very but no. serious. Hmm? He was very serious about winning this one. Yeah, he yep. was definitely all for down it. Um, and we were playing one of the malign portent scenarios and he didn't bring his harbinger. I did. Um, but he didn't want to use them. It's like, okay, fine. Uh, so we used the regular rules. Um, and that was fun, but still ended up taking the loss in the end. I just couldn't catch the Vanguard wing, uh, was what it boiled down to. Um, and then the rough part of it is like playing Jack is definitely doing like mental gymnastics. So my brain was fried going into game three and I played against, uh, Mark Wilson playing a mixed chaos list. Um, and it was definitely one of those weird ones. Uh, two Dreadquake Mortars, a Magma Cannon, two units of 30 Brimstone Horrors, two units of 30 Bloodletters, um, an Engineer, Skull Taker. Wait, did you say Brimstone Horrors? Brimstone Horrors. You mean the third version? The little ones. Yeah. That, yeah, oh. two units of 30 of those. Oh, for Christ's sake. There are 100 points for 30 of them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so he sets up one unit all the way across the front of his line as just a stop. Mm-hmm. He sets one up behind him so, so I can't teleport or do any sort of the cool Stormcast shenanigans. And then he puts his gnarly stuff in the middle. So, so I have to then chew through the 30 horrors and waste the turn, then get countercharged by 60 bloodletters. As I'm getting shot to pieces by the Dreadquakes. <laughs> um, that works. So it worked. Um, he did end up taking me out. Um, but I don't think I gave him my best game. I was so mentally fried from game two um, that I really wasn't in it. Um, I was kind of checked out. I was really tired and I was like, good Lord, please let me be done. Um so at the end of game three, I, I I took that loss. And that was another malign portent scenario. He didn't bring his harbinger, so we didn't use them, um, which was kind of disappointing that I played the three malign portents games. I didn't get to use the harbingers. So wait, if your um, opponent didn't have it, you couldn't use it? Yeah. if There's a rule in the scenarios that if you and your opponent have a harbinger in your collection and you agree to use them, you can use them for free. Oh, um, okay. So, in the spirit of the event, I brought one. Um, I painted one up, and I was going to use him, but uh, it just never happened, which was a bit of a disappointment. Um, I definitely feel like that should have been a forced thing, but that's just me. Um, so 
at the end of game three, it was a long day. I was completely fried after uh, those two games. And I didn't know if I wanted to go into day two. Um, I was just exhausted. Uh, it was a really long week. And then to have two games that close back to back, because they only had a 15 minute break. Oh. Because of how they had to do the timing, um, which was unfortunate because I didn't like get a chance to like, reset. And then gotcha. you play a game like that where you're not checked in, where you're kind of checked out and things just weren't going. And then they posted the pairings Saturday night and I get to play Terry Pike game four. Uh, he's from face hammer and God bless Terry Pike. Um, he turned the weekend around for me. Um, I was right back in it. The grumpy Alex was gone. That was there. Um, so massive but that doesn't to Terry happen for that. very often. No, no. I'm just quite um, fond of Grumpy Alex, but he makes me laugh. So, yeah, I mean, Grumpy Alex is like sarcastic Alex, uh, but more so. <laughs> but um, playing Terry uh, played Duality of Death, and he had a mixed chaos list with a great unclean one, an absolutely superb, bar none, the best Kairos Fate Weaver I have ever seen painted. Um, and have, if you don't follow Terry Pike on Twitter, did he do have wit? Did he have Kairos take, at Akon? No, he didn't want to bring Kairos because he didn't want it to break. Good call. I because I, I saw the rest of his army and it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning, and it's immaculate. He has the crazy stuff on the basing, um, but his Kairos is arguably the best one I've ever seen. Um, and he ended up taking out the painting competition for the South Coast um, for like the single entries as an as a unit. Um, his Kairos just absolutely crushed it. Um, in my opinion, that was the clear winner. Um, but getting to play against it and play against Terry, um, we had a big piece of mystical by one of the objectives. And he got to go first and he threw his great unclean one right on top of one of the objectives. It's like, oh, this will be fun. So <laughs> I park my Drake next to a piece of mystical terrain so, so I can get the rerolls. I think I'll be fine. So he goes first. He plops Papa right on the objective. I send the dragon over. He can't make the charge. Uh, so then I get a double turn. And going into turn two, I pass the mystical. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get him. We're going to get him now. We got it. And then Cairo says, no, that's a one on your mystical check. It's like, oh, oh you suck. Oh, you suck so that. hard. That's right. Because uh, Kairos can change a dice of his choice except for priority. So he did that to my Drake. It's like, oh, no, that that's not good. That's not good. Uh, and then he double turned me back and just put the game out of contention. And I tried to put the dragon into Papa to take him out, but it was just too little too late at that point. It looked so good. <laughs> so bad. Um, but Terry was an absolute riot. Um, and definitely set the rest of the weekend back uh, for me. So kudos to Terry. Um, and then I'm sitting at one at three and going into game five, I'm playing against Chris White, um, playing Beast Claw Raiders, of all things. Okay. Um, it was his first 
big tournament, if I remember this correctly, maybe his 10 or 12th game of AOS. And he listens to the show. So hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Um, and he, we were talking earlier in the weekend. Um, and he's like, man, it'd be really cool if we got to play a game. And then sure. Sh- sorry. Um, <laughs> we get to play and we were playing. Uh, which one was it? I forget which scenario it was. Um, oh, it was Star Strike. Oh, okay. Um, so we're playing Star Strike and. Uh, he's got a Beast Claw list with a Skull. Uh, so that's the Hunter and Saber Tusk formation. Um, he's got six Mourn Fang in a pack. A uh, couple of characters on the big critters. Um, and he had never played Stormcast before. He had never played against a Star Drake before. Okay. Um, so it was a little bit of a learning experience for him. And I felt bad for it. Because the Drake and the Phoenix combo is just ridiculous. Yes, um, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Especially if they tag team something. And, I mean, Chris was a great guy. Awesome, fun opponent. Um, just, it was a really bad matchup for him. So, but no, awesome guy. Would love to play him again, absolutely. Um, and then game six, last game, I'm playing against Ben Price. Playing Seraphon. Doing a Thunderquake Star Host, which I had never seen or played this before. So he's got these healing Bastilodons, a healing engine of the gods, <laughs> a double teleport slon, a bunch of skinks, and uh, we were playing Total Conquest. So that's the weird, funky deployment. Okay. Um, and trying to keep up with Seraphon and Total Conquest because you get more points if you take objectives away from your opponent. And you hang on to the objective until your opponent takes it. Well, trying to keep up with teleporting skinks, running back and forth between objectives, as you take them, he takes another one on your side of the table. Oh, no. Yeah, it was a really tactically sound game um, and a lot of fun. And I ended up uh, getting him in the end, but it was tight all the way through, I thought, because I just could not catch the skinks. Because I'm dealing with all the monsters. And he played it right. Um, it's just, I got lucky with a turn one uh, Knight Venator shot on his Slon. So that helped a lot. Um, but then he had the uh, Retroces on the Engine of the Gods. It's the artifact that lets him revive on a 3+. plus. Oh, okay. So I kill the engine, and then he brings it back. And then I have to kill it again. Um, but that thing does so much damage to a Star Drake with the mortal wounds on the uh, engine table. It was just, it was a tough match. He ended up killing the Drake in the end. Um, but it was just a good, fun game. Great way to end the weekend. Um, so I finished 3-3. Three and three, Finished 43rd out of 98 or 100 that did the weekend. Um so it's not as good as I was hoping. Uh, it was still top 50%, I guess. Um, but it was an absolute riot of a weekend. And if you guys can make it, I strongly encourage you to go. Uh, Dan and Wayne put on a great show. They had narrative bingo for those that were more about it. Um, and their stuff was 
some of it was very tongue in cheek. Like if you played an opponent who was complaining about having to buy the Malign Portance book, that was a bingo square. <laughs> um, there was a lot you, of that going on online. Yeah, but there was very little of it at the event. Oh, okay. I will say that. Um, everyone was definitely about it. They People seemed to really enjoy playing with it. It didn't make things worse. It didn't make things better. It just made them different. And if you've not played with Malign Portance, I strongly recommend it uh, because you're going to be dealing with that kind of resource management with AOS 2 coming with the command points that they've been talking about on the trailers. So, uh, and that you've got the book play with it. It's a lot of fun, really. Um, so no, it was an absolute riot of a weekend. Serious kudos to Dan, to Wayne, to Russ, to Anne, who is their version of Carrie Ann. She does all the data entry. Ah. Um, and then Becky healing, uh, Dan's, uh, sister-in-law, um, they help with distributing uh, beverages, um, essentially the bar wench, as it were. Um, Becky very rarely sat down. She was definitely keeping everybody in good spirits and with spirits. So uh, big kudos to Becky. And she, her and Anne made Carrie Ann's weekend a lot more enjoyable because Carrie Ann was supposed to do a spa day on the Saturday of the South Coast. But after driving down on Friday, she's like, I am not driving anywhere ah. so she ended up canceling her spa day um which is kind of unfortunate but she got to hang out with like becky and ann and it was just a really great weekend to hang out with everybody and to see everybody cool so yeah strongly recommend if you can make it do it really i would love to mm-hmm. so but that sounds like that was awesome I mean, it sounds like you had a great time. That was a lot of fun. Plus, you got to like just, you know, you were on vacation. You got to tour a bunch of other places, too. I mean, I saw all the pictures you were sending. It was awesome. Yeah. We had a really good trip. And um, and I think the big thing with these tournaments is that you can do more with it. And if you can make it to these events, you should go. Because it's not about the competition all the time. It's about the community. It's about hanging out, like just hanging out Friday and Saturday night with the guys, just drinking, having laughs, um, learning all sorts of new sounds and everything. Um, It's just, it was great. And I really would not have traded that for anything. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. And uh, yeah, I want to go at some point. I really do. Because when all those guys came here for Acon the last couple of times, they're, they're they're actually all they're all really nice guys too. On top of it, so yeah, they're all top notch guys. Like for the tournament, you have to bring terrain. Mm-hmm. That's part of the requirements. Um, and rather than me trying to tote five pieces of terrain over, uh, Russ let me borrow some of his so I could play. Um, and that I thought was an interesting thing, is that you brought five pieces of terrain. And those five pieces traveled with you, and you got to replace them every game with your opponent. Oh, wow. With the, your five pieces and their five pieces. So there's always ten pieces of terrain on the tables. Interesting. And they're always random terrain. Oh, yeah, because you can't set up that they're specific things because you don't know what will be on the table. Yeah. Hmm. And I really liked that mechanic. I don't think we could do it at something like Adepticon, 
um, where we have close to 200 people, but I can see how it works for the South coast. I just don't know if we could do it at Adapticon. Yeah, that would legit. Yeah. That would be logistically pretty rough to pull off. Mm -hmm. Plus don't, don't lots of tournaments in the UK have people bring terrain. I mean, yeah, that is a very common occurrence. Yeah. Um, like us over here, we would not fathom bringing our own terrain to an event. Except for maybe like a piece, let alone five pieces. But they gave out awards for the coolest terrain features, for the coolest terrain set. Um, and they did two of those. Uh, ben Johnson walked with one of them. I think Steve Wren got the other one. Because uh, Ben did like the Gloom's, uh, Gloom uh, Tide uh, Shipwreck Graveyard. Um, all the big tall pieces with the boats on there. Um so, I mean, there is some top-notch stuff, and if that's something that you're all about for your hobby, there's an opportunity there for you. Yep. That sounds cool. That sounds really cool. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. All right. So, I think that's it for the toolbox. Yeah. Kind of so, long-winded on that one, folks, but... No, that um, was... But, yeah, you did a lot, though. There was, there was a lot yeah, of Yeah, there's a there. lot to talk about in... Like I keep saying, if you can do it, go. If it's not South Coast, go to Facehammer. If it's not Facehammer, Blood and Glory. And then if you're on the other side of the pond, come over to Adepticon. Um, come over to Nova. LVO if you want to go to Vegas. I mean, it's not... But again, mostly come to Adepticon. Mostly come to Adepticon. But um, it's more about the people than it is about the playing, I think, really, truly. And I didn't run into like anything that I wouldn't see here in the States, realistically. Um, there are guys that take it really seriously, and there are guys that take it not so seriously. It's the same thing, just different accent. <laughs> Alright, now that, I think we're going to take a break. Alright, we'll be back. And we are back with a veritable treasure trove of undersea goodness with the Ideneth Deepkin War Scrolls. So, there's a lot to cover. Yes. Um, I'm kind of overwhelmed by this. And, I mean, it's it's not that different from some of the other stuff. Maybe it's because I'm not playing this army. And I'm just, I'm, I, I'm, I'm getting a bit, uh, I'm, I'm hitting a saturation point with the four or five pages of artifacts and then a ritual that's got you got to get a roll with a modifier and, and then another modifier and then that modifier's got a modifier and I'm not even joking. That was like oh come on. Um, I, I it's like I, I, I'm starting to feel a and then you got the six different uh, what you call them um, 
The command traits? No, not the command traits. The different uh, enclaves. And then those oh, enclaves yeah. all have different ways. If you join them, then that changes up the War Scroll battalions that you can take. And I'm just like, <gasps> I can't keep track of what's what. Like, I'm looking at this going, I don't know what would even. And like I said, not like I'm just like, what's good? But there's so many moving parts here. And I'm just like, I don't see how they all fit together. And I know I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to that stuff. But I, I kind of just was like, you know what? I give up. Like, I don't need all the little fancy subtleties of it. This is still a cool army. Um, the, 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 the units have some pretty cool abilities. I can see a couple of neat lists. But the, the, I'm. this is why you're here. Because yeah. I, I'm just ready to be like, yeah, they're cool. Next. Because I'm just, ugh. I was almost, over, like I said, I, was, I felt a little overwhelmed by it. Yeah, there is a lot to take in for a range that is so small. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so the first thing we should talk about is the boat. Um, so the Gluentide Shipwreck. Um, you get to set up a maximum of two etheric vortex terrain features, of which the Gluentide Shipwreck is one of them. Um, we don't have any other ones right now, so I think they've kind of left the door open for more. Wait, how many do you get to set up? Maximum of two. So and it's two. Now, I, in fact, I just I just was looking at the FAQ today just to make sure I didn't completely yep. mess up things. So if you decide to use the two halves, if you buy one and say I'm going to use the two halves, that's your two. Yep. If you stick it all together, you could buy two big ships and put down two big ships if you keep them together. Yes. So and there is probably a bit of a. a uh, an advantage to keeping it together to have a much larger piece of terrain is my guess. Yeah, because they're about a foot long. They're bigger than a man's foot when it's put together as one big boat, but you still have to get it placed in requirements. So if you're playing on a table with a lot of scenery to begin with, you may not be able to fit the big boat. Ah, gotcha. So you do have to like, really plan what's going to be the most effective way to use the things. Cause you can do one big boat and a half boat or two half boats or two big boats. Um, but again, you have to be careful where you place it. Cause you may not be able to place the full size boats. Okay. I so see. Don't glue them together right away, folks. Cause that won't work. <laughs> um, so with the boats, you've got the pieces, and they have a couple of different rules. Uh, the first of which is whenever you al- a wound or mortal wound is allocated to a deepkin model or deepkin unit, wholly within six inches of the terrain feature, you can negate it on a six. Wholly so within. So this is wholly within six inches. So and it has to be right on top of the boat. It's a six-up ward save, basically, though, right? Yeah, it's a six-up negate. But again, the unit has to be wholly within six inches. So if you've got a big unit of thralls or reavers, you may not be able to get them all in within six inches, depending on how the layout is. So you got to be careful with that placement. Um, and then the other one is at the start of the hero phase, you get to roll a dice for each unit within three inches of the train feature. This is within, not wholly within. And you ignore deepkin units. And on a four plus, the unit suffers a mortal wound. On a six plus, the unit suffers D three mortal wounds instead from like the predators and the fish and all that that are in the boat. Not that different than the the tree. Yeah. 
or like a Sylvaneth Wildwood or something like that. It's a different Mortal Wound mechanic, but this one you do have to be careful because if you're taking allies, this thing can bite them. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because they don't have the... The Deepkin keyword. Interesting. So you got to watch that unless you are doing the Alliance of Wood and Sea Battalion, which we'll talk about later. That's what I was going to ask about if that's... If, if that does that make them I thought it did it does uh, okay so there you go yay right so that's the boat and it's a big great model and I still haven't put mine together yet but we're gonna get there so you've still done do more we, than I have <laughs> um do we want to go talk about the allegiance abilities now yeah let's backtrack can wait can I say something here go ahead real quick you know, I open this up. Now, I'm not one to generally complain about layout, okay? I like these books. Yeah. But it starts with Forces of the Eidneth, and you get all the explanation page like you always get. They have this, that, blabble, blabble, flibble, flabble. And then you get the Allegiance abilities, and you go through all four. Okay, you would know. You got the Allegiance abilities. There's two of those. Two. Then you got your list of six command traits. Then you got the four by six artifact list. Then you got the lore list. Then you got the ritual list. Then you got the Gloomtide shipwreck. Then the six enclaves. Okay, and I'm like, okay, and where are the rules? Nope. Then we go into the battle plans. I'm like, okay, okay. I would have maybe put them before, but whatever. But then they also throw in, oh, and here's all the path to glory rules, and then there's battle plans for that, and then there's a couple of page on deepkin tactics, and then you get to the war scrolls. I just felt like I was, I got, I got rules. And rule, and it feels like I got them separated by other <clears throat> forms of play. Um, I just I don't know why this is bugging me so much as I go through this book, but it's bugging me. It's because you want them all next to each other, kinda. I mean, I hate to have my OCD really kicking in, but this is just I'm like, no, no. So it's a legit thing. Okay, so I'm not the only one who thinks this. Uh, I feel much better. Uh, I love it when I have other people, you know, validating me. So, all right. <laughs> but that's just self-esteem. We won't talk about that right now. Let's talk no. about these Allegiance abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're cool. Okay. So the first one is the simple one. Uh, you can only target an Ideneth Deepkin unit um, if it's the closest available enemy unit. So... With a missile weapon. With a missile weapon, yeah. So you can only shoot at the closest one. So if the one you want is just behind a screen, you're out of luck unless you can find a way to wing around it and make that the closest one. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, that's that's good. That's it's really, really good. good. Just fade back and you're not shooting it. You're or just put up that big, you know, that one big unit of. And I could just see people with mixed order licks throwing in just tons of skinks or something like that in front of it. You know, they may not get the bonuses. Maybe not because they don't have all those rules. Oh, it does not hide in a thiefkin, so it doesn't. What am I saying? See, this is why I'm dumb. Um, but still, there's got to be uh, there's got to be ways to abuse and manipulate this rule. <laughs> like just There are. Know. We'll talk about them. Yeah. It, oh, it's so good. Um, so that's the first one, and that's the big one. Um the second of which is Tides of Death. So they get a different ability every battle round, uh, and it changes depending on the battle round. And this is when we were talking in the last review, we were talking about their 
background, how they come in and out like a tide. This is playing to that. So in the first battle round, they all count as being in cover. So that's cool. So it bumps your saves up even if you're not in cover. But if you're a monster, you can't claim cover. Okay. Or behemoths, so this won't affect the turtles. Okay. Or the uh, leviathons. Or the uh, alapex. Or no, no, it's behemoths that cannot claim monsters, that claim cover. And I don't think the alapexes are behemoths. So. No. Oh, so you can't even just, you because they can't, it's like having a dash. You can't modify the dash. Well, you can't claim cover if you're a behemoth. Right, so low tide doesn't work for them. No. Okay, since you can't claim, it's just saying count as being in cover. Well, they can never be in cover, so they don't exactly. get it. Okay. So that's still good. Um, the second is Flood Tide. So in that battle round, you can either run, you can run and can still either shoot or charge in the same turn, but not both. Okay. So you can get into combat or you can get really close for shooting. So cool. Uh, and then the big one is three, uh, yep. which is the high tide. So in that battle round, units with the tides of death battle trait fight before any other units in the combat phase. Um, so this is like the old always strikes first with high elves that we had for a while or elves in general um, back in the days. So they get to fight before any other ones. And a lot of people are like, this is ridiculous. Okay, well, just don't engage them turn three. Retreat from them. Don't fight them. Right. I mean, on their turn, they're, you're not going to be able to do that. They're going to get you, but you don't have to engage them in both both ends of the battle round. Right. And just you're going to get murdered if you stay in there, depending on the unit. So if you don't have to be there, don't be there. And I think yeah. people forget that they can retreat. I, I, for a long time, had trouble with that. Just forgetting that you could just no longer have to be in combat. Mm-hmm. And that is a total 8th edition holdover, and it's three years later, and I shouldn't be still hung up like that. Yeah. Um, battle round four. This is, is Ebb Tide. The units can retreat and either still shoot or charge right back in, but not both. Because this is them, they've now accomplished their mission and they're coming back out into the ocean. So, there's that. And then, turn five, you go back to the top of the order, which is back to low tide. Right. So, you get the cover because you're going back into the ocean. It's very so, cool. And I said three years, I think it's actually only two, but you know what I mean. It's actually three. Oh, it is three. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> it's okay. It happens sometime. Yeah, so really neat ability, um, very thematic, and very powerful. And you definitely have to plan your moves around this, which makes you both predictable and awesome at the same time. Yeah, just because I know it's coming doesn't mean I can stop it. Yeah, but you can better plan for it because you know it's coming. Yeah, do my best, but you know. Yeah. All right, so let's see. Then we've got command traits. Um, they're pretty basic. Mm. 
I There's mean, a couple big ones in here. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you know, reroll run and charge rolls is nice. Uh, reroll wound rolls of one, plus two attacks during the high tide, plus two wounds instead of one. I kind of like that. Yeah, that one's a good one. Uh, minus one bravery for enemies that are within twelve inches of the general. I like this last one. Plus two bravery for friendly Ideneth units wholly within twelve inches of the general. Yeah. I mean that's that seems like quite a bit, especially if you get one of the larger model generals. Either the king or an Eidolon, yeah. Right. I mean that's that, so, I'm not wrong. That one is pretty good, isn't it? That one is really good. Um, especially when we talk about the uh, aspect of the sea for the Eidolons. But for the aspect of the storm, the unstoppable fury to get plus two attacks on each one of his weapons. Yeah. That's a big deal. It's huge. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of good options, and there's good options depending on how you build your list and the general that you take. There's not a bad option in here, which I think is nice. Yeah. Because you look at some other books, and they don't have all six viable options. No, I'm looking at this, and I do like – I do I, – I, I, the more I look at this, the more I like this book. Mm-hmm. It's a good book. Yeah. I mean, I'm already looking at this. Well, I could make a list out of this or that, and just and for no reason, just as cool models. But then I'm like, well, no, I actually have more armies I have to finish. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that plus two, and then you mix with the with like you said with that Eidolon's rules. Mm-hmm. Especially if your Eidolon can your Eidolon be your general? He can. Yes, he can. So just that would just bunch up. You could have. Well, that's kind of crazy. You could yeah, have guys and- with eleven bravery base. That's not including the uh, modifiers for having for, numbers in the battle right. shock phase. So, yeah, because if you get the double stack with the aspect of the sea and uh, Lord of Storm and Sea, that's plus five bravery. Yeah, and I mean this army runs the 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 core units are your battle line units are like sixes. Yeah, and then everything else is like seven and eights until you get to like the Eidolons, which are tens because they're 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 bananas. Yes. So, um, yeah, I kind of, yeah. See, I picked one out. I picked out the right one. I'm so proud of me. Yeah. Um, but you have to be holier than twelve. Whereas the nightmare legacy, which is the minus one debuff, is just within twelve. Right. So you do have to check your wordings on all of these because they do change. Right. I'm always looking for the word holy now. Now that you now that it's becoming mm-hmm. prevalent, it's like okay, holy or not. Yeah. Uh, so then we get on to a number of artifacts. Um, yeah. And I think it's important to mention that these can only be taken by certain characters because the Achelian artifacts can only be taken by an Achelian hero. Yeah. And then you got just the king. Oh, that's, he's the only hero? Is the king? He's the only Achelian hero. Okay. Because the other characters are Isharans. Yeah, so the Isharan heroes got a list, the Achelian heroes got a list, and then you got the generic anybody Ideneth Deepkin hero list. So basically they have a they could choose from twelve each mm-hmm. out of the eighteen. And then of course the you get the wizards can there's got another 
yeah. six to choose from. And Which there's good options. Um, well, let's just go with the Akelian one. Okay. Because uh, that's the first one here. So there's a couple of good options in here. I like the 5 plus negate wounds in combat uh, from the Sanguine Pearl. Yeah. That's a personal favorite of mine. Or the Armor of the Sithai. So subtract one from melee weapons that target him, which is pretty cool, I think. Yes, yes. Um, one of the things I noticed and I kind of like is, you know, the Akelian artifacts are cool. Um, and you got, like you said, some basic ones in here. A lot of ones for battle things. Oh, plus one to hit and wound until your next hero phase. However, you start the next hero phase with a mortal wound. Mm-hmm. Uh, or once in a battle, you can... Each enemy unit within three inches takes D3 mortal wounds, which actually isn't bad. You know, you got this little bomb to go off if you get surrounded. Um, mm-hmm. You know, plus three to the... I like the plus three to the move characteristics, plus reroll ones for attacks made by the mount. So yeah, and that ha- that was an FAQ. Uh, they changed it to, so I believe it's reroll ones to wound. Okay. Because the Akelian King has that built into his war scroll as it is. Oh, Okay. So I believe that got FAQ'd to be something different. I remember reading something, but not exactly what. I yeah. Can't look so. it up. But what I thought was interesting was, like, you pointed out the, you take a wound or a mortal wound, and you got a five up negated. and But then that's the Sanguine Pearl. When you get to the generic Eidneth artifacts, they can take the Black Pearl, which is a six up against wounds and mortal wounds. Yeah, but that one has no restrictions on when it happens. Oh, the yeah, sanguine okay. pearl only happens in combat. The melee the black weapon. pearl black... is any time. Right, so that it's not as it's it's a you know it's a one in it's a one sixth instead of a one third chance, but it's all the time. Right. So they and they but I I like that because if you go through there's although the steel shell pearl that shows up, and that's that's basically the five up one except this one's in 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 shooting instead of in melee. And mm-hmm. then, uh, and then the wizard gets uh, they get the super nice uh, arcane pearl five up against wounds or mortal wounds. Period. Mm-hmm. Against mortal wounds. Oh, just mortal wounds. I read that wrong. So yeah, they're all yeah they're all different. They're all different pearls. I just you know story wise, lore wise, fluff wise, whatever you want to call it. When you see. They have all these different types of pearls. Mm-hmm. You know, it leads me back to my, like, Zelda, you know, watching Harrison play the last couple of Zeldas where you pick up a bunch of stuff and see, you know, they're all similar, but they all do something a little different. All these mm-hmm. little items. I'm like, oh, that's that's clever. Like, it's, I mean, is it the best thing on the list? Is it something great? Is it something to write home about? Maybe not. I just like that they they ran a theme through the different artifacts for the different groups. Similar, but not the same. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if you had to pick one out of the Akelian artifacts, that's the really that's the the really good one. Which one do you like the most? Either the pearl or the armor. Oh, this is they. I do like the abyssal blade, which is just bump his weapon up on the rend characteristic by one, uh-huh. and it does an extra damage to Slaneshi keywords. Yeah, it's just Slaneshi is not as prevalent now in the gaming system, but I think that will change. They're they're mentioning them way too much in too many of these books to not have something come out. I mean, it's you're seeing elves get released. You know who is their who is their 
biggest enemy. You can't, you can't keep him tied up forever. And if you do keep him tied up forever, something's going to happen where his followers get some sort of awesome to to go after mm-hmm. you. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for what this could mean. Yeah. Um, so and then we... Do you want to go to the generic Eidneth? Yeah, I'll do these. Um, We already talked about the Black Pearl. There's a pair of big ones in here that need to get mentioned. Uh, The first of which is the Terror Knight Venom. Yeah. So you get to reroll wound rolls of one for that weapon. And in addition, you subtract one from the bravery characteristic of enemy units that suffer wounds from that weapon for the rest of the battle. Um, So this one is combining one of the command traits... And an extra boost for an artifact spot. So that's a big deal. Like an Eidolon of the Storm with that is pretty nasty. Yeah. Uh, just the amount of damage that that thing does to begin with. Um, and then the Cloud of Midnight. This one shuts down a shooting phase, or at least it can if it happens. So... Once per battle, at the start of any phase, combat, shooting, hero, whatever, um, the bearer can pop the cloud. And if they do, they cannot be chosen as a target for attack spells or abilities for the rest of that phase, but cannot themselves attack or use spells and abilities for the rest of that phase. You still have to shoot the closest unit because of Forgotten Nightmares. Yeah, this actually got FAQ'd. Someone said, if, if, if I use this on the closest guy... Do they still have to try and target him? They're like, yep, and they can't, yeah. so they don't get to shoot. Yeah, if it's done properly. Yeah. Um, so you just need to identify where it is and do your best to avoid it if you think you're going to do it. So just be prepared for that one. No, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple other good ones in here. Uh, the Rune Asserting Tide. Once per battle at the start of your hero phase, you can either add one inch to the move characteristic of friendly Ideneth units until your next hero phase, or subtract one from the move characteristic of enemy units until your next hero phase. So plus or minus can use either way. Um, and then there's one on here. Once per battle at the start of the battle shock phase, you can release the last lament. And if you do friendly Deepkin units wholly within 18 of the bear, do not have to take a Battleshock test. That's nice. So you have an army that could potentially have really high bravery to begin with, and then for one one time, everybody within 18 wholly just completely ignores it. So, so And you've got to be within like 9 or 12 for the other thing. So at the one time where you have to move out, you still then it's like, well, I don't get the bonus anymore, but I don't need it this one turn. Yeah. Yeah, this matching up with the proper turn to go and have everybody attacking anyway. I like mm-hmm. the world shell. I just uh and it's not that it's great. I just like that it's doing um it's messing with it messes with your opponent after just getting them hit. Mm-hmm. Um you know, pick an enemy hero within 9 inches once per battle, roll 2d6. If it's greater than their bravery, minus 1 from hit rolls for that hero for the rest of the battle. Yep. So it's like once again, and there's a lot of these things that do that stuff for the rest of the battle. Mm-hmm. Minus one bravery for the battle, minus one of this for the battle. Uh, they're they're just they're they're 
they're picking and picking and picking at you. Minus one here, minus that there. They get a couple of pluses. Suddenly it becomes really lopsided. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Um, and then we move on to the Asharan artifacts, which is the characters on foot are the Asharan characters. Uh, we already talked about the Steel Shell Pearl. So that one you ignore wounds caused by missile weapons on a 5+. plus. Um, there's my personal favorite on this is the auric lantern. So at the start of your shooting phase, you pick an enemy unit within 18 inches that's in cover. And until your next shooting phase, that enemy unit does not receive benefits, uh, for being in cover. Yeah. Great. You do that in your shooting phase at 18 inches away. So you can still run and do this. And then you go into combat and they don't get cover. Because it lasts until your next shooting phase. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah, my first thought was, if I'm sitting there with my Stormcast using my, whatchamacallit, the the one that gets... The staunch defender. Yeah, staunch defender. That wouldn't still wouldn't kick in because they're still in cover, aren't they? Or I would it, have to read the wording I, yeah, on Staunch Defender again. I don't have it in front of me, yeah. But I mean if it says Yeah, if it says that uh units in cover don't get the save or that they don't get the save if they get a cover save, that's a big difference. I should look that up. Yeah, I would just have to that, double to, check the wording. I mean, it's a small thing. It's uh, just this one army might be able to not do not have that affected so much, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I just was wondering. I try to think yeah. of these things, make myself mm-hmm. useful for this half of the show. Yeah. Um, brain barnacles. <laughs> Pick a hero within twelve inches and roll two d six. If it's equal or greater than the distance between the bear and the hero. That hero's infected. Minus one to hit and casting for the hero for the rest of the battle. Gosh. Uh, it's a nice thing that these are all different... Uh, Mechanics to do the similar thing. Yeah. because uh, but uh, that they're all, you, you can't have all of these artifacts unless you have a ton of battalions. Correct. Which is nice because that could really mess you up really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one I like on here is the Mind Flare. So once per battle to start the combat phase, you can pick an enemy unit within three inches of the bearer, and they subtract one from hit rolls until the end of that combat phase. So you use that on a high tide turn. Um, so you get to go first, and then if they're still there, they're minus one to hit you. Um, it's a nice little utility piece. Yep. And now the wizards get theirs too, because of course they do. Yes. Um, are there anything on here that you like? Um, whatever you like. Um, you know, I'm looking at this thinking, you know, this looks fun, like the Kraken tooth. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, and it's one of those things. It's once for battle, and you got to totally roll it up. Uh, and on a one, you totally screw up. But on two through six, you can wreak some damage. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, D3 mortal wounds or pick a model in an enemy unit. That model is slain if it has a wound characteristic less than 10. 2D6 mortal wounds if it has a wound characteristic over 10. So that's where you can start picking on big bads and just be like, oh, look what I just did. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can snipe a couple of things nice and cheeky. Um, and it's not a shooting attack, so Lookout Sir doesn't play into this. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Fun little fact. Um, and then the other one on here, I think, is the big one, is Sands of Infinity. Okay. Uh, so this one you get to use once per battle before making a casting roll for the bear uh, whose spell effect so normally lasts until your next hero phase. If you use it and you successfully get it off and it's not unbound, then the effects of the spell last until your hero phase after your next hero phase. So they last for two. Oh, boy. Instead of one. So a Mystic Shield lasting for two turns. Or when we get to a few of the other spells as we cover through, this has a lot of nasty implications. Oh, yeah. I didn't even... I must have forgotten about that because even I would have noticed that that's pretty good. Yeah, we'll come back to it when we get to the uh, Eidolon of the Sea. Okay. But, um, I think we're good on this, aren't we? Yeah, that's the artifacts. Yeah. All right. Um. Okay. So now that we've done all the artifacts, they've still got magic and rituals. So let's do some magic and rituals before uh, we do anything else here. Um, the Lore of the Deep, um, Water Magic. Um, Steed of Tides is the first one. Let's kind of go through these because I know that all of these can be pretty useful. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pick a friendly hero that's not a monster and within six inches of the caster and visible to them. Remove that model from the battlefield, set it up again within 24 inches. Oh, this is a friendly hero, I'm sorry. 24 inches of the previous location, more than nine inches away from enemy models. This counts as its move. So you can just, yeah, whoop, whoop, grab a guy and move him up to two feet away. Mm-hmm. That could be really helpful really quick. Yeah, and it's worth noting that the Eidolons are not monsters. <laughs> okay. So you can pick one of them up. And it's a friendly hero, so it's not necessarily a deepkin. So if you're playing with allies, mm-hmm. you could be tossing almost anything across the board. Yeah. Very nice. you want to take the next one? So, next one's Abyssal Darkness. Cast value 5. If it's successfully cast, friendly uh, IDNF Deepkin units are treated as being in cover while they are wholly within 9 inches of the caster. Um, so that's until your next hero phase. Could be a target for the Sands of Infinity to get cover for 3 turns effectively. Because uh, you get cover from, low, from uh, low Tide and then you get Abyssal Darkness for 2 turns. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. All right, number three, Vorpal Maelstrom. Casting value is six. Pick a point on the battlefield within 18 inches of the caster that's visible to them. Roll a die for each unit within three inches of that point. If the die roll for a unit is less than or equal to the number of models in the unit, it takes D3 mortals. So another one you got a bunch of units together. You can just drop a spot, boom, blip, 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 blip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty nasty little toy. Yeah. Uh, next is Pressure of the Deep. So this one's got a big cast value 7. If it's successfully cast, pick an enemy model within 12 that they can see and roll a dice. And if you roll greater than the model's wound characteristic, it's slain. So an auto-kill, but it can only kill up to 5 wounds. There's a bunch of heroes with 5. But then you still got to... You still gotta... You got to get within 12 inches 
at the start of a hero phase and then roll a seven and then not have it unbound. Yep. And then roll and above then the roll above characteristic. the characteristic. So that's that's that one's kind of that's not as scary um, as it sounds. No. Once uh, you do the math on it, unless they're just using it to pick off two and three wound, like because if I can just pick a model, you know, I could start taking out star soul maces, exactly, or uh, unit champions of various varieties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that comes off a lot easier. Then you got a fifty fifty shot on. There's actually a two thirds shot on a lot of those. All right, so what else we got? Tide of fear, value of six. Um, pick an enemy unit within twelve inches that's visible until your next hero phase. Subtract one from hit rolls for that unit and subtract one from its bravery. So again, this one you're add. You could you could pile these things on, can't you? Yes. With enough tide casters and eidolons, this is, ugh. and you could do that with the sands of infinity. So have that last for two turns. Oh, oh, okay. In case you guys can't tell, I'm really hot for the sands of infinity. So <laughs> this is, then you can still only try to cast it once, and you can only cast it once. Right, and again, you have to get close. And at that range, you're putting a very squishy wizard in death range. So, But it could be really nice. Could be really nice. <laughs> All right, why don't you take this last one? So Arcane Corrasion. I, I think it's supposed to be Corrosion, but it's definitely Corrasion. Uh, it is cast value 6. If it goes off, pick the closest enemy unit within 48 inches of the caster and measure the distance between them. If it's up to 12 inches, the target suffers one mortal wound. If it's more than 12 and up to 24, it takes two mortal wounds. If it's more than 24, up to 36 inches, it suffers three mortal wounds. And if the distance is more than 36 and up to 48 inches, it takes four mortal wounds. So the farther you are away from it, the more damage it does. Because it's building up. Is it going? Because it's building up steam. And this is one of those uh, things where you could teleport your guy 24 inches back mm-hmm. and then drop one of these. Yeah. I mean, it's got tricks. It's just really tricky to pull off for the max effect. Yeah. And that's your lore of the deep. So we've just zoomed through artifacts and lores and all these things. And this is all preamble because until we look at the unit, this is this was one of the things I was debating today as I was pretending to work. Was when we cover this, do we cover all the units first and then do all this stuff, or should we know at least the basics of what they can do? I almost feel like we should have gone through just the uh, the command abilities and the and the the allegiance traits. And then, or Allegiance Billy's command traits, you know what I meant. And then jump to the units and then come back to all of these extra add-ons because it's just, I, like I said, I don't know if anyone else listening feels overwhelmed, but I sure do already. Like, I can't There's a that. lot to do with yeah. this army. There's a lot to consider when playing against it. So, yeah. Yeah. And There's a bunch. Uh, and then there's Asharan Rituals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Heroes can perform a ritual. You can only do one ritual in a hero phase. So you got three. It doesn't say you can only do it once per game, but you can only try you can only try once per hero phase to do one of these. So you gotta pick it and make it work. Now the three you get 
Until your next hero phase, enemy units don't get cover. So That's one of them. Okay, that's not bad. That's good. We've seen that a couple times. Uh, the other one, heal a wound to each friendly Eidolon on the battlefield. In addition, reroll failed hit rolls and casting rolls for those friendly Eidolons till the next hero phase. That's nice, too. And then the last one is that uh, until your next hero phase, enemy models can't fly. So those are your rituals, which is actually pretty cool. And then it gets to how it works. There's a lot to this. So, so go. you want to do this so I can just make fun of it? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So at the start of your hero phase, uh, you get to say which ritual you're going to try. And then pick an Asharan hero. So this has to be one of the infantries from your army that is more than nine inches away from an enemy model. Roll 2d6. And no, wait, hold one. on. Let's jump to the end here. On a 10+, plus, the ritual is successfully performed and has the effects listed below. On any other result, it fails and nothing happens. So you need a 10+. Plus. And it's like, wow, that's a lot. Well, these are pretty good, but that's still a lot. But it might not be because mm-hmm. roll your 2d6. Now, what do I do then? So you add one. If the hero performing the ritual is within one inches of a glutentide shipwreck. So there, and you get a plus one, okay. Add a further one to the roll if they are a priest. So they have to have the priest keyword. So we're modifying the modifier. Plus one for a gloomtide, plus two if you're a hero by or a, a priest by the gloomtide. Yes. Okay. Also, in addition, add one to the roll for each other friendly Isharan hero that is within three inches of the model performing the ritual. Add two instead if... For each hero within three, that is a priest. So the priest gets a... So there's two modifiers, and then there's two modifiers of the modifiers, because, you know, reasons. Uh, yes. Uh, so you could, though... I mean, you you got a priest near a gloomtide shipwreck, and then, boom, that's an eight. If you've got another Isharan hero next to it, that's a seven, unless he's also a priest, and then it's a six. Suddenly, I mean... A, Two Isharan heroes within a couple inches of each other, two priests near each other next to the shipwreck, and it's on a six. Yeah. So that's that's actually, I mean, you got to have them clumped in together and stuff, but Mm -hmm. uh, you can get this off without seemingly too much trouble. Yeah, and when we get to it, the only Isharan hero that has the priest keyword is the Soul Scryer. Oh, so so how many soul, soul scryers are you going to take? I don't know. I don't know how good they are. Alex probably takes four. No. No, two? Three? Two. Two, okay. I don't know. I'm just joking around. This is the thing. We have to all take this so they can break the game for everybody else. No. The, you're making trades if you go for the rituals and try to max them out with the soul scryers. But we'll come to that. Gotcha. Um. So that's the preamble yeah. to the different enclaves and everything. Um, we should probably take a break uh, before we get to the enclaves, or do you want to go right into them? Well, we've been going about 40 minutes, I think, so we could probably... You know what? Can we come back to the enclaves, though? Okay. Because a lot of this is a little bonus if you're them, but then it adjusts War Scroll Battalions that are 20 pages later in the book. 
And it's like, so I'd like to at least know what are in these things before we talk about all the adjustments. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Am I crazy about that? Whatever works. Yeah, quick break, and then uh, and then we'll do this. Finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back, back with all sorts of stuff and things. Um, I, can't, I think I think I'm right. I think we should do the the battalions first. Okay. I don't. I'm, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm doing this silly. Let me go past the strategies and the with the path to glory campaign stuff. I would like more. to make one thing with the path to glory and the skirmish scenarios. Yep. There's ones where you can do a ship raid. Yes. And it gives you a map on how to do a ship raid. That's really cool. It is. I will give you the the battle plan for that is pretty neat. It is pretty cool. But uh, still, it's just in the middle there. And then they got the tactics pages. Read the tactics pages yourself, folks. You can figure it out. I can't. Don't rely on me for tactics. Just don't. Alex is here, but he's already given you good advice. We don't need that stuff. So, while I'm looking at this, I I almost think we should go over the War Scrolls before we go over the Battalions, because we're talking about units we haven't talked about. I'm changing my mind all over the place. The show is is being very fluid, this episode. Troubled waters, man. Troubled waters. There you go. See, at least you're getting me. So, let's start with these big, crazy Eidolons, because... These these things are cool. I like them both. Yes, they are both good options. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's. I don't know which one I like more. I kind of leaning towards the C. Yeah, I lean towards the C too. But the aspect of the storm is still you good. You cannot overlook him. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's take a look uh, at him really quick. Yep. Um, this bad boy has got 12, well, either aspect has 12 wounds, 10 bravery, and a 3-up save. The aspect of the storm can move 12, which is the sea only moves 10. So mm-hmm. he's got a little extra movement. Uh, let's see. He can fly. 
Oh, they both can fly. Um, and he comes with. Now, can he use all the weapons? All yep. three of them? Yes. He used all three weapons. The Storm Shoal is all the fish. Yes, and that's on both the Eidolons. So that one's just a three-inch reach, 2d6 attacks, 4 by 4 no rent, one damage. But cool. still, for the fish, 4 by 4 that's good. Yeah, and a three-inch reach. Yeah, most yeah. that's that's actually really good. Mm-hmm. 2d6 attacks, and I, even if I'm far away, I can still step, you know, I could be behind the other units, and I can still reach out and touch you with those. Yeah, it's a little splash of damage. Yeah, but I'm saying that's... You know, normally a little splash of damage is five by fives and things like that, and not necessarily two d six attacks. Um, I don't even know how. Fwathtar, Fwathtar, the spear of repressed fury. Yeah, that's what it is. That's yeah, the spear of repressed fury. It's repressed my fury. I'm not knowing how to say Fwathtar. Uh, two inch range, four attacks, threes by twos, two rend, two damage. Stupid. And he also has the cruel hook. You could say crawl hook. I'm calling it the cruel hook because it's cruel. One inch range, four attacks, twos by threes, one rend, one damage. So this guy is just punching everything near him and punching him hard. Mm-hmm. That's just awesome. Um, And then what else does he got here? Now he gets a whole bunch of cool abilities. Uh, reroll hit rolls of one and plus one damage for the Spear of Repressed Fury, Fwathtar, um, if they charged. In addition, you can charge in the same turn you made a retreat. Also, heal D3 wounds after it makes a charge move. That's a lot. So when I charge, I automatically heal D3 wounds. If I took any, which is a good reason to retreat and charge. Mm-hmm. And it can retreat and charge. And when you charge, Fwatan becomes. Wait. Uh, damn, add one to the hit. So it's it hitting on twos. No, you get to reroll hits of one. Oh, reroll hits of one. I'm sorry. Not adding one. Adding one to the damage. Okay, so, wait. so it's three three rolling ones with three damage. And yep. two rend. And it heals mm-hmm. D3 wounds when it charges. That's... Oh, I'm not starting a new army. I'm not starting a new army. I'm not starting a new army. He's really pretty. He is, It's a gorgeous model, too. No, I have two armies, and they're only half done. And one of them is not even half done. One of them I've just started rebasing, and I'm going to repaint it. I'm not starting a new army. I'm not starting a new army. Um, plus, they showed you all that stuff that we didn't even get to talk about in the news. I don't know if we even talked about it or not because of the order we're taping in. But yep. all, all that new Stormcast and Death stuff, eh, I don't need to start a new army. All right. Um, nope. What else? Oh, when you're wholly within nine of him and you're Ideneth Deepkin, reroll wound rolls of one. And also at the start of the combat phase, pick an enemy hero with a wounds characteristic of less than eight within three inches, minus one from hit rolls for that hero for the rest of that combat phase. So the guy who was right up, another hero was right up next to you, minus one for him to hit you. Automatically. Yep. And fun fact, if you give him one of the artifacts that puts somebody at a minus one to hit him, you're tagging somebody for minus two. Yes. 
And it's at the start of the combat, the combat phase. Not your combat phase, the combat, the combat phase. phase. So it's every combat phase. If you want to hit him, you're going to need, yeah, you're going to want two heroes near him so he can't get them both. So dumb. I like this a lot. But mm-hmm. then you've got the sea. Why don't you tell us all about the sea without any big dumb words like Fwathar or Fwathar. Fwathar. Yep. So uh, he's got a 10-inch move compared to the Storm's 12, which we already talked about. He's got a shooting attack, uh, 15 inches, D3 shots, 3s to hit, 3s to wound, Ren 2, 2 damage. So that's pretty all right. Uh, he's got a trident. Or a Psy Trident, let's use the correct word. Uh, three by three, three attacks, uh, Ren 2 damage too. So that's still pretty okay for a wizard. Yeah. Uh, he's got a Deep Sea Scepter, which is three attacks, three by three, Ren 1 damage, one. And then the, the fish. The Storm again, yeah. <clears throat> Bless you. Thank you. Um, so he's got a couple of different abilities, uh, the first of which is Dormant Energies. So you can reroll one casting roll for this model in each of your hero phases. And if you don't reroll a casting roll, then you can heal D3 wounds to the model. Now, they did FAQ this set. If you use one of the other artifacts or abilities that lets you reroll a cast thing, you don't get to heal. So, period. If you reroll a casting attempt with this guy, you don't get to heal. Yeah, regardless and it, and, of and the it does literally say if you... Do not re-roll a casting roll. It doesn't say if you don't use this ability. So right. it's any re-roll. But still, mm-hmm. it's just if I get it right off the bat, I get wounds back. If I don't, well, then I get to re-roll. That's, that's great. Yeah. Um, next one is the Tranquility of the Abyss. So you get to add three to the bravery characteristic of friendly Deepkin units while they are holy, while they are within nine of the model. And then you add the Lord of Storm and Sea, so you put somebody at plus five. Uh, which is pretty awesome. Now, um, it's of all friendly Ideneth Deepkin units while they're within nine inches, right? Yep. He's within nine inches of himself. So he's bravery 12, uh, 13. He's bravery 13, just for being. And, and if you do 15. Lord of Storm and Sea, he could be bravery 15. Okay. That's okay. It doesn't affect single models so much until you get to like Banshee Screams. And Terrorgeist well, yells. Yeah, it's it's that's awesome. Like there are yeah. so many things that they go against your your bravery that aren't just uh They th- just bounce off this guy. Oh yeah. So he is a wizard on top of all this, so he can cast two spells and unbind two spells. He's got the bolt, the shield, and then he's got two unique spells, uh cloying seamus and the tsunami of terror, and I Love both of these. Um, so the Sea Mist is a cast value 6. If it goes off, you pick a unit within 12 of the caster that is visible to them, and he's a big, tall model, so you can do that can all well and cool. everything, yeah. Yeah. So if it's a friendly IDNF Deepkin unit, you can heal D3 wounds allocated to the unit. It doesn't put models back. It's just a heal. Uh, so it could heal himself if he wanted to, in addition to Dormant Energies, which is cool. Um, or if it's Somebody else, they suffered D3 mortal wounds. So you could target a friendly non identity Deepkin unit and kill it if you wanted to. Just saying. There's no reason to do it, but you could do it. 
Um, mm. And then the last one, and this is the favorite, Tsunami of Terror, cast value 7. If it goes off, pick D6 enemy units within 12 inches of the caster that he can see. Subtract one from hit rolls made for those units and one from the bravery characteristic of those units until your next hero phase. That's a spell. That's a spell. You can do that other thing. The Sands of Infinity. And make this for two turns. They're minus one to hit and minus one bravery. Yeah. Just. And then, just throwing it out there, if you do the spell Tide of Fear, which is cast value six, you pick a friend, an enemy unit within 12 and tag them for another minus one to hit and another minus one to bravery. Because he's a wizard. Yeah. Yeah. This is dumb. But again, this is a very weird bravery debuff mechanic that a lot of armies don't play with. Yeah. But when someone slaps you with it, you're going to know you've been slapped. You're going you're gonna to feel it. Absolutely. All so right. that's it. I like him. I really like him. I know. I can tell. Uh, so we do the regular king or the high king? Oh, we should probably start with the king. The regular king? The regular king. You want me to take regular king and you can take the burger king? Wow. Okay. Gotta throw something in there. Because he's it's a more lopper. like Long John Silver. Or maybe he's the big fish. I like the BK big fish. Ugh. Oh, it's so tasty. I love fried cod. It's so awful. Um Alright, Akelian King. Um hey, I didn't make any SpongeBob references yet this show. Just get off my back. Uh he's got seven wounds and eight bravery. He's still got a three up save. I think all of these big guys have three up saves. Mm-hmm. Uh, moves 14 inches because they move. Um, now, this guy, a single model, in one hand, he's wielding either a polearm or a greatsword. And then they got the king's shield in the other hand. Uh, so you pick between the polearm or the greatsword and the shield. Now, you can choose to skip the shield and pull out the falchion. The fal- falchion? Falchion. Falchion. Um, which is his smaller secondary weapon. You lose uh, uh, one on your sa- or no? What is it? You yeah, yep. minus, yeah. You lose one on your save, but you can go with some extra attacks. Now I'll go through this. You can pick between the pole arm, which has a two inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, two rend d three damage. Because yeah, or one inch range, four attacks, three by three, only one rend. D3 damage. So up close, you get an extra attack, but I just think that pole arm would be the way to go almost every time, wouldn't it? Yeah. With that almost. extra red? The big difference is that you get um, such a big movement plus the fly. Um, and then with the rule on the deep horn mare or the deep mare horn, you're encouraged to charge. So. Oh, right, right, right. Now, um, the falchion is uh, three attacks, one in trains, threes by fours, no rend, one damage. But if you need that little extra oomph, you can go for it. Um, and I'll go through the things and then come. Well, I might as well just do it. Uh, your deep mare's got several attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two-inch range for his jaws and talons. Three attacks, three by three, one rend, one damage. 
And then he's got another same thing, two-inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, but no rend and two damage. That's still a lot. That's still yeah. a lot. From a mount. Yeah. I mean, they both got the same mount, you know what I'm saying? Um, Between the king and Voltornis. Yeah. But that's still kind of cool. So what are all the cool things he can do? Well, um, roll a die if he ends a charge within an inch of any enemy units. On a two-up, the nearest enemy unit takes D3 mortals. Because, yes. Uh, reroll hit rolls of one for friendly Akelian units wholly within 12 inches of this model. So they're rerolling ones if they're near him. There's a lot of this this bubble synergy going on. You got a lot of bubbles in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of keeping them clumped together and moving together. But that makes sense. They move in like a school. Yes. Yeah. Uh, storm of blows at the start of the combat phase. Oh, this is when you can draw your falchion. If you do so, you, so your save drops to four. But you can attack with a falchion if you uh, if you don't. Do that, then you can't. You have to uh, announce. You have to do it at the beginning of the combat phase. So if if you if you're feeling confident in a four up save instead of three up, you can get those extra few attacks. I don't know that I would be doing it too often unless I really thought I needed to get that extra wound in. Yeah, it also depends on your target. If you're fighting a bunch of stuff that has like no rend, maybe you want to go for it. But I generally don't draw the sword. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, let's see. He's also got the Wave Rider. Um, oh, that's why the Bladed Polearm is even better than the, I thought the Greatsword would be. Here it is. In the command phase, uh, or in the combat phase, that Polearm, if he charges, goes from D3 damage to 3. Mm-hmm. So when he charges, you automatically get the 3. That's really that's really awesome. Yeah. 3 attacks, 3s by 3s, 2 red, 3 damage. You can easily get six damage out on this guy with just that weapon every turn. And you get to reroll ones because he's in a Kellyan within 12 inches of himself. Oh, of course he is, yes. Oh, that oh, that's so good. Uh, and he's got a command ability, and it's called Lord of Tides. Um, it's actually the same as Volturnos, except Volturnos has more range and can actually do it to more units. Because I like that. Uh, they did that stuff with, with the Nagash book. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the more powerful you are, the more units you can affect by your ability. Not just range, but just lots of people, more people looking up to that leader. Uh, okay, so what is this ability? Um, if it's your general and the high tide from the tides of death table applies to this battle round, you can use it. So it's a really cool ability, but it generally only one turn unless you're using stuff to make it more than one turn, which I think you can do that. with Not with high tide. Oh, not with high tide? Okay. Uh, yeah, this is a once-per-game ability. Right. You can use this command ability if it's your general and the high tide appears on the battle round. Um, so actually, but isn't there something you can, if you take one of the different enclaves, you can make it the high tide round for an extra round or something like that? No. Oh, I thought I There's read one that, that manipulates the flood tide. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's what it is. But I'm sorry. It's important that you could do this potentially twice in a game if you're playing against another Deepkin player. Who switches the tide order, and we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. So okay. you got to watch it. So um, pick a friendly uh, deepkin unit wholly within 12 inches of the general, plus one of the attacks for their melee weapons used by that unit until your next hero phase. So this is definitely it's it's a once-per-game, mostly once-per-game, um, 
but you're going to use it that game, that turn. Yeah. This is where with the version, you know, version two coming out, they've been talking about the command abilities and command points. Um, I'm definitely using one on this round for this ability. Yeah, especially since the high tide is your power turn. Right. Where you get to strike first. So, yeah, you're going to use it. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't remember too many command abilities being usable only on one turn. Unless I'm totally just don't know because I don't play them anymore. There's a couple right now that are once per, like Gordrak's ability. uh, Alarial's ability is once per game. So there's a couple. They're not very common, though. Okay. But that's it, and that that's that's so good, and mm-hmm. another awesome model. Yes, gorgeous model. Uh, so that's the king, and then you move on to the king of kings, Voltornis. So he's got a sword that is five attacks, threes by threes, Ren one D three damage, and then his deep mare has the same. Attacks profiles as the normal king's deep mare, right? So, not gonna double peat. Um, he does have one extra wound on the king, so that's cool. Um, for his sword, the Astra Solus for Blade of Light. Yeah. If a hit roll for the sword is a six plus, the attack has a rend characteristic of negative five instead of negative one. So five attacks, threes by threes. One rend D three damage, and with maybe just an assorted five rend in there, with a sprinkling of five rend, yes, yeah, <laughs> and D three damage. Oh, oh, so yeah, that one's pretty all right. Um, now a lot of people have said, well, why didn't just make it mortal wounds? Because you're essentially negating their armor save. Well, there are things that get saves against mortal wounds, but not against negative five rend. Yep. So this cuts through both options realistically. And there are ways that even at a negative five rend that you can still be saving on a six or a five. Yes. Yeah, you know, a max ways to get it. Yeah. Star Drake realistically is the only way to get it that low. So, But still. But it's something. Uh, so he's got the Crest of the High Kings on his back, which is you get to add one to the bravery characteristic of friendly DPN units that are wholly within 18 inches of him. So, again, another big bravery bubble. Uh, The shield is really neat. So you roll a dice if he's affected by a spell, or you can roll a dice. If you do so on a 3+, the spell has no effect on him, but other units will be affected as normally. So you want to hit him with an arcane bolt? Yeah, that's great. 3+, no. Um. He's got the first among the Achaeans, so he is the oldest one. He's one of the living legends. Right. He was the first uh, one pulled from them by the Techless. Yeah. So this one, you get to reroll hit rolls of one for friendly Achaean units while they are wholly within 18 inches of him. So it's a bigger bubble compared to the Achaean king, which well, yeah, is pretty neat. From the Paragon to the first among Achaeans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's got the same deep mare horn charge rule that the king has. And then his command ability is very similar to the king. Uh, you can only use it if Voltornis is your general and high tide is active. Um, if you do so, you pick up to three 
friendly deepkin units holier than 18 inches of him and add one to the attack's characteristic of their weapons. That's... That and it's melee weapons, so of course. good. Yeah. Um, and for the points difference between Voltornis and a king, um, uh, it's not much. It's only 40 points. Really? Volturnus is only 280 points? Yeah, but you cannot customize him where you can customize a king. I'm just saying in general. Yeah. That is... But he's only eight wounds with a three-up save. Oh, well, he's useless then. Let's get rid of him. He's not useless. Burn your model. He is, Smash it. He is, he is squishy for a special he's character. He's elf. He's supposed to be squishy. Exactly. Still, that's so, so nice. Yep. All right. So, what else we got here? Um, how many more characters we got? How many more? Uh, we got? Three more. Oh, just or actually three four more. more. I thought. Yeah, that's bunch of heroes. Yeah, because oh, yeah, Lotan's a hero, right? I forgot yeah, about him. Yeah, we'll lump him in with these guys. I think. All right. Um, so you got the Tidecaster, the Soul Scryer, and the Soul Render. Really quick, remind me, and maybe the listeners, because maybe I'm just doing this for the listeners. Um, Tidecaster, Soul Scryer, Soul Render. What is what? Like, I know the one guy comes with a little light, and he's sucking up all the souls. That's the... That's the Soul Render. That's the Soul Render. That's the Anglerfish. Right. I like I like that guy. Love that guy. And then... Uh, so then the other ones are what now? Remind the us. The Soul Scryer is the guy with the claw finger. And the pointy or in the stick. Oh yeah, he looks cool with the floaty bowls. Um, and then the tidecaster is the gal uh, with the shell on the stick and the shell on her head. Right. But I'm just saying, what doing what, a little spell effect? Their, yeah. What's their little specialties though? Like what? Yeah. So what? the tidecaster is the one that creates the ether sea. This is your main wizard. Right. The soul scryer is the one that finds the souls, and then the soul render is the one that collects them. It's like the three fates. Yeah. Like weaving, measuring, and cutting the strings. Oh, that's I, oh, I kind of like that. It's like Greek, isn't it? Oh. I mean, it's all Greek to me, but, you know. Oh. Bad Alex. Oh, good gravy. Okay. So which one of these do you want to start with? Which one do you like the most? I'm a personal fan of the Soul Render. Okay. I love that model. That I was the model is it. one of the best in the range of a very good range of models. He is probably one of the best. All right. So, so, um, so we'll go ahead and start with him. He's the fighty of the characters for the Asharans. Um, move six, four up save, eight bravery, five wounds. His hook, his talon hook is two inch reach, two attacks, three by three, ren one damage, two. And then the fish that swims with him, uh, three inch reach, uh, D3 attacks, 3x3, three three, ran 1, damage 1. Cool. That The fish is almost as good as he is. and for Almost, yeah. Yeah. And he's got a 4-up save, unlike these other two wizards who have wizard saves. Six. Yeah. And he's a better bravery, too. Yeah. You gotta be brave going into where he goes to do that craziness. To do the dirty work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's got the lure light. So at the end of your battle shock phase, of your battle shock phase, so this is your turn, 
pick a friendly Namardi unit wholly within 12 inches of the model and roll a d3. Return a number of slain models to the unit you picked up to the value of the roll. And add one to the roll for each enemy model that was slain by this model's talent hook. So on his own, he can heal up to seven models back if all things go well. Okay. Because he kills four from the hook and then a roll a d3. Yep. Ah, that's nice, because you're just putting models back, too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's got the Hangman's Knot. So at the start of the combat phase, pick an enemy hero within three inches of the model and roll a dice, and subtract two if the hero is a monster. On a four or more, you can re-roll failed hit rolls for this model's talent hook um, if it targets that hero. So... It's kind of a catch. It's kind of a weird spot for him because he wants to kill easy stuff to harvest their souls and revive the Namardi with the lure light. But when the but heroes this, go after him, yeah, then you might. Then you know, it's, it's a nice little bonus to have. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to fight you, but if you're gonna fight me, I'm gonna get a. Bo- I'm gonna get a cool bonus against you. Yeah. I mean, rerolling failed to hit rolls. So, I mean, you're you're hitting we're pretty much hitting with both of the hits then your odds are you're going to hit with both of them Mm -hmm. so i mean he's not the best you know he's not the super fighter but he's still good yeah he's all right yeah i like this guy and i like i said i just i love the model so much absolutely (laughs) so what else we got here let's talk about the soul scry so yeah the render's running in doing the fighting now the scryer um this guy, he's got this big with the finder of ways. So that yeah, so this yeah, we almost went backwards because they're they're very cool. Maybe we shouldn't go backwards completely. Maybe we should go to the Tidecaster because doesn't this wide ether sea sort of precede the finder of ways? No. Oh no, it doesn't. I'm totally. I've got it backwards. Yeah, the soul scry would have come first. So this clown's got a six inch movement, five wounds, six up save, and seven bravery. Um, he's got he's got a shoal of fish, eight attacks, five by fives, eighteen inch range though. It counts for a missile weapon, but once again, it's the five by five stuff. Because normally, when you get a a, a piece of your uh, your your cool basing look going out and helping you with the attack, it's five by fives, not that other awesome stuff. Uh, and then he's got the finger claw, three attacks, threes by fours, no rend, one damage. Um, this is a wizard. If you're getting him into battle, you've probably made a mistake. Yeah, he's a very squishy priest. Yeah. Uh, oh, he is the priest. That's right. Mm-hmm. So he can do those other things. So he's got Finder of Ways. Instead of setting him up on the battlefield, put him up on the side and say he's traveling the Ether Sea. If you do that, when you would set up another friendly Deepkin unit, instead of setting them up, you can say it's joining him in the Ether Sea. You can do that for two units. Uh, at the end of any of your movement phases, set them up, and uh, the Soul Scryer has to be within six inches of the edge of the battlefield, more than nine inches from enemies. And then the units that went with him have to be within six inches of the battlefield, nine inches away from the enemies, and wholly within 12 inches of him. So you can't just cram in too much stuff. But you got six inches deep and 12 inches across if you're not right next to the enemy models. So you, you could fill them up if you're not too close to the enemy. But still, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. And uh, what else? at the start of the charge phase, 
I like. I had to read this twice. Yeah, it's a weird rule. But this is this. Uh, the more I'm thinking about, it, like this is good. So okay, you pick an enemy unit within 24 inches that you can see. Okay, then if you do if you do that, you must add three to the charge rolls for any deepkin units within 12 inches of that unit you picked. However, the first model you move has to finish the charge within a half inch of that unit or it fails. So if you're charging, you have to reach that unit. So everything around it is going after that. This is one where he's pointing out the juicy souls, right? Yep. So you pick that thing and everyone has to attack that. Now I suppose if you didn't want to attack that but you wanted the bonus, you can get some of it within close and then get the rest of the unit, sort of space it out and get to some other unit nearby it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah, there's ways to flex bend this, but you can still um, pick someone within 24 inches, and then everyone within 12 inches of that gets plus three to their charge, but they got to go at that. Yeah, and if you're coming on from a table edge, you're then making that nine inch charge a six inch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's a great little ambush trick. Um, oh, so these guys coming off the if the ether sea. And then mm-hmm. they're right there, and then boom, you got plus three to your charge, so you really only need a six even though you're the nine away. Yeah. Oh, that is good. I like that. Yeah, he's got a nasty little trick, and even if you don't ambush the units, him still starting on the table, it's a 24-inch pick. So you can have him directing traffic from the other side of the table. Oh, so you sure. don't have to get that close with him. So you have options on how to play this guy. This this is really cool. Yeah. All right, grab that Tidecaster. Um, and then one other safety feature on the Soul Scryer. Oh, sorry. Um, he his ambush doesn't work like the Rune Smiter for Fire Slayers because when the the Rune Smiter ambushes, he picks a unit to go with him, and it counts as one deployment. This guy, you can set up in the ether sea and then add units to join him as you deploy. Well, I think you have to. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you but can't it's one of those de- things you that you have. have one drop. It's got to be multiple. Yeah. So it's multiple drops, but you have control in the turn order of when that happens for deployment. So you can keep your opponent guessing until the very last minute of who's going with him. Or if someone's going with him. Or if someone's going with him. Nice. So he's a sneaky little son of a gun. Um, so the Tidecaster, um, same profile as the Soul Scryer, so we're not going to go over it. Um, the staff, two attacks, threes by threes, no rend, D3 damage. So pretty nice little wizard stick, uh, only one inch reach. But here's the fun part. So it's got a Spirit Guardian. So the first wound allocated to this model each turn is negated. So you do have to do a little bit of work to get through this chick, but it's every turn. So you essentially ignore two wounds per battle round. So that's pretty yep. nice. Yep. And then the wide ether C. Now this one is weird. If this model is your general, at the start of the first battle round, you can declare that the tides of death table will be reversed. So if you do so, ebb tide is the first one. So that one is the retreat and charge or shoot. So you probably won't get to use it right away. But then high tide is the second battle round. 
instead of the third. Yeah, so you jump in quick. And then your fifth battle round is still retreating and shooting. Yes. So it, it, instead of just getting cover. You know, get cover in turn four when you're possibly still in combat or running to contest objectives. I could, I could see that being useful if you're good with this army. Yeah. Especially and it's, most people are playing against it and you're used to playing it the one way and you're expecting turn three and then you let all your stuff out and you're all set up and he's like, oh, by the way, we're going to flip it. Yeah. And you can do this at the table because it's at the start of the first battle round. Yeah. So you're putting that pressure on your opponent to plan for high tide on turn three or turn two. <sighs> okay. Then he can throw some magic around. What can this guy do? So she gets a spell. She gets uh, a, a cast and unbind one per enemy, one spell. Um, so they get the one from the Lord of the Deeps if they take it, uh, the two basics, and then Riptide. So this one casts value seven. Pick an enemy unit within 18 inches that they can see. And until your next hero phase, subtract one from hit rolls for that unit. And in addition, at the start of your next hero phase, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. So again, another ping, minus one to hit. You can really just, with the right combination, you can make it impossible for your opponent. I mean, six is always hit, but... Six is always hit, but you're still going to be jacking around if you do Tide of Fear, Tsunami of Terror, and Riptide all in the same unit. That's negative three to hit, not including an artifact. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah, even your best guys are only hitting on sixes. Yeah, it's still situational, and it still requires a lot of high numbers on casting values, but it's possible. Yeah, I like like that. Oh, boy. Question. Go ahead. If you extend that out to two turns. Yep. Do they take the D3 mortals each time? (laughs) Yeah, because that's the start of your next hero phase. Oh, but. Good gravy. Okay. Uh, this is <laughs> this is a weird army. It is, it's, but it's fun. It's just different from anything else we've played, uh, and that's that's so refreshing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Do we want to grab Lotan before we hit the sharks? Yeah, I suppose we should. Uh, the Warden of the Soul Ledgers. He's got a bunch of stuff in here. He does. Uh, he's got five wounds, seven bravery. He's got the six save and the six move. Um, he rarely fights, but when he must, he uses his bone quill to stab at his foe. But he's got the Octar Familiar, which is the awesome octopus with a cudgel and uh, and and a, sword, and a and a knife that mm-hmm. he, that he will attack you with if you get too quick. So his bone quill is crap. It's one attack, threes by fives. With for one damage, but now the Octar gets one attack from. He's got eight le- eight eight uh, tentacles, so yep, six tentacle attacks, and it's all three inch range because of course, six attacks, fours by fours for one damage with his regular tentacles. Then the blade gets three by four, one rend, one damage. The cudgel obviously doesn't hit as well. That's by fours, but it's a cudgel. It wounds on a three. And that's one ran two damage. So you got nine attacks pumping out with this guy. Not great, but not awful. 
Um, but I think that obviously it's it's his abilities that make him uh, so good. Uh, every time you allocate a wound or mortal wound, uh, he's got a five up save against wounds and mortal wounds. And then um, plus one bravery to Ideneth Deepkin units wholly within twelve inches of this model. In addition, reroll hit rolls of ones for friendly Namardi wholly within one inch of this model. So more bravery and uh, rerolling hit rolls for for Namardi units. So he's pretty cool. I think the best thing about this guy, honestly, is that model. It's so it's so awesome. It's a diorama unto itself. Yeah. Um, and then in game terms, you can get units up to plus six bravery between him, Lord of Storm, and seeing the Eidolon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that fun? You have to lose ten models. To even care. And then if it's Namardi and you have a uh, Soul Render right there, you put models back. Oh, right. Oh, and then the Marty would be, their bravery is what, though? Uh, six. Six. So the plus six would be 12. So once you lost more than six models, there's a chance. You'll lose more. you lose some. But, but then, then you just put them back. Just put them back. Yeah, of course. Why not? That's, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's expensive, but time. it works. Um... Yeah. Should we, uh, now that we've finished all the characters, should we take a quick break and then come back? For the units? Yeah, for the units, because what have we got? We've got, like, how many? Six? Uh, yeah, there's yeah, six. We've got six. We'll do that, and then we'll talk War Scroll Battalion. So give, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back. Mm-hmm. And we are back, ready to get into the War Scrolls for the INS Deepkin units. Uh, Dave, do you want to jump over this one? Um, you know what? This is where it start. I start to look at all this, and I'm going. I know this is good. I just I don't I I don't have all of these, all the combos and all the stuff together. Should we start off with the big fish and then go to the eels and then go to the basics, or should we go the other way around and build up to it? No, let's just go in order from the book. All right. So the Alapexes, that's the sharks with different names. I did try to set you up for this, but you wouldn't go for it. Oh, what was it? You want to jump over this? I'm. You want to jump the shark? Oh, my God. I can't believe I missed that whole thing. It's okay, Dave. Hey. hey. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So these guys... And like I said, I'm counting on you to point out the if there's anything that I'm missing other than the obvious. Eight wounds, and it's it's a it's a unit of one. Okay, so eight wounds, twelve inch move, four up save, six bravery. Um, now do they have both the harpoon launcher and the net launcher? You have to pick which gun. Because uh, it says that they can use either volleys of bolts from the razor shell harpoons or shredding nets from a Retarius net launcher. 
you have to pick with them. Yeah, so you either pick the long range with three attacks, threes by threes and one damage, or you pick the slightly shorter range. It's only one attack, but it's straight up three damage. So no rend on any of it, but still, I mean, it's just whatever you want. If you want the range, you're not, you know, the, the three attacks, so you might not do as much damage. Um, melee weapons, he's got five attacks, threes by fours for one damage with his hook and blade. And then you get the a shark. So it's got one bite, threes by threes, two rend, three damage. And four attacks from all the all the knives that they put on the fins of this thing. That gets four attacks, threes by threes, one rend, one damage. These things these things really want to hit you hard. Yeah. Uh, they can fly. Of course they can. And at the start of charging, if they're within 12 inches of enemy models that have been allocated any wounds, you can reroll charge rolls for that unit in the charge phase. So... Any wounds at any point during the game because, folks, there's blood in the water. And so the sharks, they'll re-roll their, their charge rolls because they're going to get in there. Mm-hmm. These are pretty cool. And the models, once again, just oh, everything about this looks awesome. 140 a pop. And you can take them in units of one to four. Oh. The four up save too. It's pretty good. They're okay. Um, it's just they get overlooked. I think a lot of times in case of the eels. Well, yeah, because um, the eels are the eels are really good. Yeah, but I think these guys have some potential with an Achillean King if you take them in a school of four of these things. I mean, it's a lot of points, but you get four of these things. You get to reroll ones to hit from the Paragon, or if you get high tide going. Uh, with the command ability, so you put out a lot of the bite attacks. I think there's potential there, but I don't know. I like sharks. I like the sharks too, but those eels are just so they 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 do so much moving around and stuff. So yeah, I can see that, but that's still cool. I I just there's so much nice about this army. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so then we move give on. Us the Leviathan, the giant toidle. Gamera yes. is filled. Gamera is really neat. He is filled with turtle meat. We've been eating Gamera. Gamera is a friend to all children. You don't even have any idea what I'm talking about. Do you, you just went off the deep end, didn't you? I did. I dove right in when I saw my opportunity. You don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? No, and that's probably a good thing. You don't know Gamera? No, I know Gamera. I just didn't realize he had a catchy jingle. If you if you watch the movies, there's like this. There's a he's he's got a he's got a theme music in the movies. And if you watch Mystery Science Theater, they make up songs to go along with the beautiful theme music for Gamera. So, uh, yes. Anyway, so uh, big turtle. He's got uh, four guys on his back, one of which is an Amarty, but he does something different, so we'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, so he's got a variable move, depending on how much damage he's taken, starting at 12, going to 7. Because he he's is a, a monster. He is a big monster. Uh, he's got a 3-up save, 7 bravery, and a big old 16 wounds of turtle. So there's a lot to chew through. Uh, he's got two razor shell harpoon launchers on the back, 
And they did FAQ this that it's now six shots instead of three and printed in the book. Oh, so this got- is liter- Oh, so instead of doing what they normally do, which is just total it all up, each harpoon launcher gets its own set of so that you can aim. At- well, you could just split up the attack anyway, couldn't you? You can split fire anyway, but this was supposed to be. You have two of this weapon, but you would think that you could fire it two times. For the three shots, but or at least have a number so of attacks many, so that you, it makes sense yeah. that it was both of them firing. Yeah, and, but there's so many like different things where if you take two of the same weapon and provides an additional ability right. that that got overlooked. So point is, it's now six shots, threes by threes, no ren, one damage at two feet. So that's pretty cool. Uh, he's got a bunch of different attack profiles, and he can fly because. Why not? Uh, so he's got his crushing jaws, one attack, one inch reach. Uh, he hits on a two to start, and then it gets progressively worse up to a four at the absolute worst. And this one on the wound, damage table, every it's at, after three wounds. So zero to three, you're yeah. fine. Four to six, seven to nine, ten to thirteen. Well, thirteen yeah. goes a little farther than three wounds, but you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. He always wounds on a two. With a rend of two and D6 damage. So that's pretty nasty. And then each time you get a hit roll of a six or more for the Jaws attack, it does six mortal wounds instead of the normal damage. So it's got one attack, but so, if you roll a six on that, he just you're gonna does bite six something mortal clean wounds. in half. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. never going to win a game against you with these guys, am I? No, you'll be fine. Um, and then he's got uh, his massive scythed fins so he's got uh, four of them, two entry each, three by three ren one, variable damage starting starting at three three and it doesn't drop down to yeah, you gotta take you gotta have taken seven wounds before he drops down to two yeah, and then at 14 plus it's one so he does a lot of damage Uh, the mahar on the back of him has a spear that is two attacks, uh, threes by threes, no rend, two damage each. And then the rest of the crew stabs with harpoons at four attacks, three by three, rend one, or rend nothing, one damage. Um, and then the big thing for this guy is that he's got a void drum on the back. So deep kin units are treated as being in cover while they're within wholly within 12 inches of a friendly leviathan. So he's a walking terrain feature, essentially, yes. for your army. Now, they did FAQ but, that he doesn't get the bonus that's already been figured into his... Into his save. Yeah. And he's a monster, He or he's a behemoth. He can't claim it anyway. He's not a behemoth. Yes, he is. Battlefield roll behemoth. Oh, 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 I was looking down at his uh, keywords. So yeah, the sharks can claim it because they're not behemoths, but uh, not the leviathans. Okay, you know what? I'm sorry, I was not looking at battle. I was looking for it under keywords because I'm a doofus. This is the reason okay. I lose games. But so yeah, yeah. so yeah, beh- but so that's still that's so good. Mm-hmm. And it's such a cool model. Again, oh. you know when I first saw this, I'm like, that's really cool. And the Eidolon just grabbed my attention, but the rest of them like. Uh, flying sharks and turtles and stuff like it's cool, but it's weird. And now, the more I'm getting used to it, the more I'm just like, 
I mean, even Harrison. If he, he, he Harrison has basically said, if he actually enjoyed painting whatsoever, he'd want to do some of this because this is cool. He likes these elves. Mm-hmm. But uh, yep, I I don't know since they hate Teclas so much that he might he might be forced to just wait until Teclas's army comes out because Teclas is a family favorite. We all love him. So, but that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, now you got the Morsar Guard and the Ishlayan Guard, which are both eel riders. Uh, it really just, uh, the difference mostly is the weapon and how it works. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. You are correct. All right, so uh, the Morsar, uh, both of the, okay, Morsar and, and Ishlayan, uh, four wounds, six bravery, four up save, 14-inch move. Okay, come in units of three, uh, and they're four wounds each. Yeah, four wounds each. Um, they both have the the Fangmora, you know, that they're riding the eel. Uh, they both have it. The uh, it, it can bite one attack, one inch, three by three, d three damage, and the tail two inch, d three attacks, three by three, one damage. Um. Now, uh, this is now the command group. It says in here, and it actually talks about this in here. Uh, it can be led by uh, Lokian prince. Is that Lokian? Am I saying that right? Yeah. And it can have any number of standard bearers and musicians. Um. So, unlike the the one that they FAQ'd, where you can only have one in ten, this you can have any number. Mm-hmm. Um, plus one attack for the Prince's Volt Spear. Reroll Battle Shock Test if it has any standard bearers. Reroll Charge Rolls if you have any musicians. So you literally could just have one Prince, and then, well, if you're just doing a unit of three, you'd have one, one, and one. Obviously, although mm-hmm. if you bump the unit to like six, I suppose you could just throw in extras of those, just because it's free and it makes sure you keep the Charge Roll bonus and the and the Reroll Battle Shock bonus. Absolutely. When it could be 12 to begin with. Uh, so these guys can fly. Now, here's where they get their little differences. Um, these guys, they're more, I th- I, they, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they're a little more on the attack end. Yeah, these guys are the punchers. Yeah. Once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can unleash the biovoltaic energy. Uh, roll a die for every model in the unit. On a three up, pick an enemy unit within three inches. They take a mortal wound. On a six up, they take D three mortal wounds. So you're building up all that electric eel energy and running it through your through your volt spear and just whizzk, electroshocking. Also, um, when you charge, uh, then you get. Rend two damage two on the volt spear, so your your basic attacks become much juicier. Yeah, and it's normally two attacks three by three, no rend one damage. Yeah, so there's no rend inherently on these models, but when you charge, obviously you get that bonus. Um, and then important safety feature on the blast: you roll for each model, not for the unit. 
So you're if it's a unit of like six of them, you're rolling six dice. And for each three up, then pick an enemy unit within three inches. What if there's only one unit and you roll six dice and you hit them all? So then... That's six mortal wounds. Yeah, uh, and any sixes in there make it even more. Okay, yeah, yeah. Gosh. Yeah, they're rough. Yeah, these guys make Aquaman look like a wussy, and that's saying something. To be fair, it didn't take much. No, it didn't, but, you know. Please direct all your Aquaman fan mail. To me, Uh, bring it to me, I'll uh, take it. Even the new one. I know he's Cal Drogo. Don't care. He's, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Bring it. All right. So that's the Morsars. So these are the combat punchy ones. And then the defensive ones, and these are the, everyone loves these guys, uh, the Ishleans. So they have a Hell Saber, which is three attacks, threes by threes, no ren, one damage, one inch reach. Um, then they have the Fangmora attacks, which we already talked about. Uh, they can take the same command group. Uh, the prince adds plus one to the attacks of the Hellsaber, um, and everything else stays the same. They can fly. Cool. Their biovoltaic barrier is, and you're gonna, you've obviously oh. probably heard about this already. Um, no, you I actually have avoided listening to any. Rules discussion on any podcast because I wanted to come at this without with fresh eyes. Well, I mean, I I realized that that probably would have helped me to be able to come in here and be like, "Ooh, you can combo this and this and this," but I don't want to just parrot what other shows are saying. I'd rather just kind of figure well, out what I'm. Figuring I'll do out. it for you. Um, so you ignore the rend characteristic of attacks that target this unit. So they're ethereal, essentially. You ignore rend, but you can get modified, whereas ethereal can't. And if you charge, your save goes up. To a three. When you charge. Yep. And you ignore end. And your first round, you're in cover. So you're at a three up to begin with. Ignoring rend. And Forgotten Nightmares, you line these guys up across the front. They have to shoot at the three up, ignoring rend unit of eels that protect the rest of your army. And if you, like you said, if you get on that turn where they get the cover, then it's two? If you get a shield and cover, turn one, you're at a two-up, ignore Ren, and you have to shoot them. Oh, that's that's really good. It is. So uh, I hear, and I know I hear a lot of people doing eel armies, and I, this is probably something to save a bit. But if you're doing, do you split this half and half, or do you just have a ton of these guys, or do you just put these guys in the front and then put the punchers in the back? I think you need two or three units of these guys, depending on how big you run them. Okay. Just to go full blitz to force your opponents to shoot them. And then the other slithery eels run up behind them, and they go in on the turn two, turn three charges. (laughs) The real slippery eels. Yes. Sweet. Yeah, there's some sneaky stuff you can do with these guys, um, especially if you combo a Soul Scryer with them to get the plus three to charge, and they get to re-roll their charge rolls because they have a musician. So they're plus three, and then they move 14, and they get a re-roll. So they're pretty nasty, both these uh, eel units. 
Yeah. So, yeah. They're I, cool. Uh, I can see why people would pick these over the over the sharks and uh, just could make whole eel armies really quick. That's kind of mm-hmm. interesting that the two elf armies that came out had, did you see people doing just straight up snake armies and straight up eel armies right off the bat? Well, they're elite. Yeah. Um, but you can just whereas, take a whole army of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you can just take the right general and unlock models them. models to paint, well, which that is too. the big thing. But, I'm and it's building... good because I could take an army with less models to paint and they could suck. Mm-hmm. And that would be dumb. Yeah. But these guys are good because there's not a bad choice in this book. It depends who you ask. Everyone's like, oh, why would you take Namardi? But they have a place. I just don't think a lot of people have them because they look at the eels and it's like, well, I just want to do an eel army. But the thralls and the reavers definitely have a place. Well, let's talk about them. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right, I guess I'll just take the thralls. Let's start with those guys. These are your basic. These aren't your shooters because you, that's that's how it's broken up. You got your your melee guys and your and your ranged guys. These are your melee guys. Although the other guys' blade is well, not quite as good, but still. So you got the Lanmari blade, one inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, one rend, one damage. So pretty decent. Like that's, I mean that's that's typical L stuff, hitting and wounding on threes. But you also got the rend in there, so it's nice. Um, mm-hmm. These guys have a five up save, one wound, six bravery, six inch move. So on that first turn, they're getting that four up save. Um, oh boy. Okay, so let's see. Uh, it starts with 10 or more models. Um, one in 10 can be an icon bear, and that icon bear gets plus one to his attack characteristic. And you can reroll Battleshock tests with icon bears. So I suppose if you're running 30, you would put, th- why not throw three in there? Mm-hmm. They're free, they get extra attacks. Let's do it. Um, and their ability, plus one of the attack characteristics uh, on the blade if all attacks made with the weapon. Target enemy models with a wound characteristic of one. Oh, I remember this. So it goes from two attacks to three attacks if they're fighting guys who only have one wound. Apparently, if they realize they can kill them fast, they fight harder. Um, plus one damage if they've got wound characteristics of four or more. So suddenly they become damage two. So they don't get the extra attacks, but they double down on the damage it gets through. Mm-hmm. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's a different mechanic. Uh, like, Brutes have a similar thing for hitting big things. Um, liberators get Layla of the Tyrants. But these guys have a flex range of either more attacks for one damage models or uh, more damage for the big stuff. So stuff in the two to three bracket is going to be kind of like the rough spot for these guys to go into because they don't get a bonus against them. Right. So what is two wounds? Chaos Warriors, Blood Warriors, Stormcast of both varieties, Iron Jaws of almost all varieties. So there's some stuff in here that they don't get any sort of bonus against. So you do have to watch what these things fight. But that almost makes sense because if you think about it, mm-hmm. you've got the orcs. They're, if you throw – you get no bonus against them. That water trick and all the weird thing that we read about in the lore, orcs don't care. It's just going to aggravate them, right? The corn guys, yeah. you ain't, you're not psyching out corn guys 
with your weird water tricks. And the Stormcaster, the Stormcast. It's kind of, I dig, I think it's, I, I like how it broke down because though it, it, it seems that the armies that, that are affected by this rule least are the armies that would naturally be like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. I like it. Once again, it, it, it's an interesting thing and it really seems to fit to the lore. So that's what yeah. I like about it. Not that I'd want to paint 30 or 40 or 60 of these guys, but I'll leave that to you. Yeah, I'm doing a bunch of these. Um, so, and then you have the Reaver, which is the archers, the scouts. Um, these guys have an eight-inch basic move with a five-up save, brave six, uh, ten or more. They get whisper bows and keening blades. One in ten can be icon bearers, and you can add one to the attacks characteristic of an icon bearer's knife. Um, so we'll go over the knife first. It's just their little combat weapon. It's Two attacks, three by four, no rend, one damage. And this little knife is very little, having put a number of these things together, but it does more stuff than a Judicator's Gladius. It's just a better profile. Yep. Which I find funny, but okay. They got a little shank. Nice. Um, they have the fluid firing style, so before attacking with their bow, they choose either aimed fire or storm fire, so you don't get to do both. Because there are two missile weapon profiles. You have to pick for that unit. Well, I mean, I don't see a reason why. I mean, basically, it's, it's sort yeah. of like the old the old rule. If you're at half range, you get uh, you get the bonuses. Yeah, it's kind of like that. So there Although, are... I have to double check the FAQ, because it says before attacking with a whisper bow, Choose which profile. So if you're more than nine inches away, could you do the aimed fire for those individual models? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So if half the unit's nine inches away, they get these amount of attacks. And the ones but if that they're more farther... than that, they only get one. Oh, I don't so know. I'll have to double check that. Could be interesting. But the two profiles, the first of which is an 18-inch one attack, four by four, no rend damage. One. Great. The Stormfire is nine inch range, three attacks, four by four. So you get rend to triple your attacks one. at close range. Yeah. And their other ability is Swift Tide, so they get to reroll run rolls all the time. Their movement eight. And then turn two on your Flood Tide, you get to run and shoot. That's good. So you get essentially a 17-inch threat range for storm for Stormfire plus a variable run. That'll probably be a 4-ish. So at 21 inches, you can unleash 60 shots. That's so dumb. Turn two. Oh, man. Yeah. Not a – no bad choices. That's no. that's it for the for that. We got to go through the battalion still, but that's oh, that's I like. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna keep saying that over and over and over again. I said it enough times. We know you like it, Dave. It's okay. I don't want to. Never. Yeah, I know. Never played an elf army. That was the boys' army. Well, 
See, I right. stick to my no elf policy, unlike some people who saw the shiny was too shiny to resist. That's all I'm saying. Buddy. <laughs> I you know, I, I gotta be a jerk when I can be. It's just how I that's that's how I roll. We know. All right. So yeah. do we want to go over the battalions real quick? Sure, we got to, you know, because it's so much cool. It makes you say things like yeet. So. Okay. Um, so do you want to take the first one? Uh, sure, the Royal Council. It's the King, the Tidecaster, and the Soul Scryer. So it's 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 not the Soul Collector. It's the Finder of the Ways and the Finder of the Good Souls plus a King. Uh you can and use, the king could be Voltornis. Yeah, because it just says one Achillean king. He's an Achillean king. Yeah, it asks for the keyword. Yep. Um, so you get a new command ability, basically. Use this in the hero phase if the king is your general and the Tidecaster and the Soul Scryer are within three inches of him. If you do this, pick up to three friendly Deepkin units wholly within 12 inches of your general and add three inch to their move characteristic for the units you pick until your next hero phase. So if you start off next to him, you get that plus three move, and then you could just take off from there. So even your little Reaver guys that you were just talking about, who can have an eight-inch range, becomes an 11-inch range with a rerolled run. So you're increasing some uh, threat range there pretty well. Um, that's it. Or... Or... Or you do this on a flood tide turn with eels. You get movement 14 uh plus a run plus three movement. And then the soul scryer points at somebody and you get another plus three. Oh, yeah. So you're essentially 20 inches plus 3d6 rerolling two of them. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it is. Wow. It actually gives him a command ability that he can use besides Inspiring Presence. Um, but that'll obviously change come AOS 2 anyway. Obviously. Uh, so, so yeah, for 140 points, that's actually kind of good, isn't it? It's pretty good, yeah. Huh. Okay. And uh, so you want to take the next one, the Achillean Core? Sure. So this is a Leviathan. Uh, two to four units of guards, so that's either the spears or the swords, either one, because okay. that's for the keyword. And then one to two units of alapexes. Um, and this one is once per phase. You can reroll one hit, wound, save, run, or charge roll for one unit from this battalion that is wholly within 12 inches of the Leviathan from the battalion when the reroll is made. So... How this all works is you've got this flotilla of fast-moving stuff that's in cover except for the turtle. And then you get a reroll every phase, either shooting or combat or movement, as long as you're wholly within 12 inches of the turtle. That's pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you got rerolls. Yeah, rerolls every phase is pretty nice. Yeah, it's reroll one hit. 
It's reroll one hit wound save or charge roll. So it's not always going to be a big thing, but when you need it, it'll be a big deal. Well, yeah. Because it's not one die, it's one hit roll. So it's the whole roll, right? No, it's one. Oh, so it's one die. It is one die. Mm-hmm. One hit, wound, save run, or charge roll. See, I was here. I, I read the roll, and I'm like, oh, because you wouldn't just roll one die in the charge roll. You got to re-roll both. That's actually oh. an Okay, that might be something a little special then. Yeah. Beeps. So, because that was making me think the hit, wound, save, run, roll. You re- it says you're re-rolling the roll, not the not re-rolling one die from that roll. So, I just assumed when I read it that you did the whole dang roll. I'm like, that's brutal. Yeah, I have to double check that one. If you get a bad roll, because you could pick up any or all of it. If you're re-rolling the roll, you could pick up a portion of it. Yeah, that has to get double checked. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. It's a big difference. I mean, I don't know if I'm right or if it was if I completely misread it, but I was like, oh, okay. Because no, I remember getting something in the FAQ, and I see if I still uh, about that whole thing. Can you just reroll one die? And I thought that's what was about this. Hold on, let me check. I think I still have it here in front of me. Um, I do. Let's see. Um, it's not the thing. It's not that. I know it's here. Uh, oh, that's the Achillean core pulsing rhythm of the drums. That's, that's the rule. That's it. Okay. Does the Achillean core pulsing rhythm of the drums allow me to reroll one of the dice in a charge roll or must I reroll both? And it says you must reroll both. So that doesn't actually address what we're talking about. Well, I mean, but it, it's at least that. I know I got to reroll both. I'm just wondering if. I wonder. Because that's a big difference. Mm hmm. I can't believe I'm the only person who's asking that. Either I'm just really dumb or. that I just figured that would be something that was answered. If you're answering that one part, you would answer the whole thing. Oh, oh who cares? It'll, you know, either you can or you can't. But that still seems like a pretty good. Bonus, especially if you're re-rolling these other things. I mean, you're already getting so many other re-rolls, so I might as well get an extra one with this, too. Mm-hmm. And so, all right, so then, uh, and that's the Achillean core. That's only 100 points as well. Gee whiz. All right, what about the Namardi core? Because since you like the Namardi. Yeah, this one's my personal favorite. So this is a soul render. Uh, two to six units of thralls and two to four units of reavers. So it is a good chunk of your army. Um, so this one, if the soul render from this battalion uses their lure light ability on an Amarty unit from this battalion, the D3 roll to determine how many models are returned um, from lure light are, it's an automatic three. You don't roll the dice. It's just a flat three plus whatever he kills. That's, that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. Because if you're playing this right, they've already got a 12 leadership, and now you're putting back a bunch of models. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, see, so nice. And that gives you an extra command point. And an extra artifact. Yeah. And, oh. and less drops. Okay. And then you got the phalanx, which is the Royal Council, the three, the three models we talked about in the beginning. Two to four Namardi Corps and two to four Akelian Corps. So... You got basically three War Scroll Battalions and then 
the super combo. Can you even play that? You can't. I mean, that's got to be a bajillion points, right? It's five battalions. So you got to pay for all well, the actually, battalions. It's six battalions because you take the phalanx, the council, and two of each of the core. So that's six battalions plus two turtles plus at least eight units of Namardi plus at least two sharks, at least two turtles, and at least four units of eels. No, so you'd have to be playing a monster game because that's 660 points in... in Battalions. In battalions. And it's 760 points in turtles. So that's 1420 right there, and you still haven't gotten your council or any of your... Yeah, no, that'd be... Oh, man, we gotta sit down. Now I'm gonna have to sit down and do the numbers on that and see how much you would have to play minimum just to play that because that is kind of fun playing those monster games. See, and what what do you get for it? Um. Oh, yeah. This is the thing. Once per battle, at the start of the battle round, you can choose to use high tide instead of the normal battle round. So, yeah, so if you got this monstrous thing, you could take high tide in two rounds. And then uh, those abilities you get that only work during high tide suddenly double down. But that's the least of your worries when you're playing 5,000 points worth of stuff there. Oh, yeah. That's that's great. That's so cool. Uh, And then you get the really cool one where the deep can get to work with them and get to be a part of them and do all their cool stuff. What is? Uh, Would you dare say the Sylvaneth get to be part of their world? Yes, they definitely part of their world. I, I yes, I would say that. Even though they don't actually have to go under the sea, they can. Well, that's down where it's wetter. Down where it's better. Oh, that's no nah, okay. That's just getting dirty. So that was two Little Mermaid jokes back to back. I know it's amazing. I know it's really sad. <laughs> um, so. This one is the Mixed Battalion. It's the Alliance of Wood and Sea. So this is a Tidecaster. Two units of Achelian Guard. A unit of Thralls. A unit of Reavers. A Shark. And then a Branch Witch. Two units of Dryads. And a Tree Lord Ancient. I don't even um, know how all this mixes up together. All I know is that the Sylvanet get the Tides of Death battle trait and gain the abilities from the Tides of Death. So basically, if you take this, they get... <laughs> they get to fight with the tide as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and why not? That's kind of great. Um, yeah, it's expensive to try to do it. Um, there, to, now, to getting the tide to death, I mean, other than, okay, they get, I mean, it's the one thing where you can actually add that to your allies without them actually having to, without, and they still get the bonuses. Um, is there any sort of combo or any reason why this, I mean, you know, there's all these other races. Is there any reason why these this combo of Sylvaneth stuff would be awesome with this? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. The big thing is it's to do a cool themed army. Um, and realistically, done if you do this right, you can do... Because, um, like, you get the two boats from your battle from the ether sea and then the tree lord ancient can make sylvaneth wildwoods 
Right. On a four plus. I mean, it's 40 points a pop because you're not a Sylvaneth Allegiance. But you can spam out a lot of terrain very quickly. Um, and then Dryads have an inherent ability to put somebody at a minus one to hit while they're in combat from the singing songs. If they're big enough units, they get plus one to their save. And then they get cover. So there is some combo here. I just don't know if I would take this. <laughs> okay. Oh. And that's and that's everything except for the uh, the Enclave special abilities. Yep. And, and there's six of those. There's six of those. You know what? Let's take our last break. We'll come back and do the Enclaves and then wrap up the show because we're starting... I'm starting to fade at this point. This is getting so much stuff. Oh, this show is so long. All right, break and then back. In the garage hammer shirt. Who cares about him? Look at that guy with the garage hammer hoodie. That's right, guys. Nothing tells the ladies I'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear. So hurry to garagehammer.net slash store, and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about. Remember, boys, first you get your gear, then you win all your games, then you get the chicks. That's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in Garage Gear. And we are back talking Deepkin Enclaves, because why not add more? <laughs> All right. Well, this will be at least a little quicker. So, the, you know, much like the Overlord's book, which has this, the different guilds or whatever the heck they're called, um, we already covered in the lore. They've broken off into a whole bunch of different groups and enclaves. So the six main enclaves get these special rules and there's nothing about you have to paint them that way you can always just paint them your own way and call them something else and say that they're an offshoot of that so you could just literally paint up your army however you want and say oh these are an iron rack offshoot and i'm not painting them like high elves or you know i'm this is a a wait how do you say it fuethon fuethon uh but i don't want to paint them all red so you know I suppose it follows, I mean, I guess, you know, etiquette-wise, you don't paint up an obvious Fuethon army and just call them Iron Rack, because that would be poor form, but it doesn't have to be the colors that that one mm-hmm. is, so. Am I correct in that assumption? You know, just like you, you don't, are. You don't paint up your Blood Angels and then call them Space Wolves. Ultramarines. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so let's start with the Iron Rack. Um these guys are good magicians, so they get plus one to cast and to unbind 
for their Wizards. That's nice. Um, oh, and if you take the Royal Council, which was the three guys, you could have two Tidecasters and two Skulls, scroll si- uh, Soul Scryers. So if you have more than one in your army, you can add them to that battalion, which it, which just helps you with drops, right? It helps with drops, and it also lets you deploy one of the Soul Scryers out in the Ether Sea. Oh, that's right. So you can use the command ability otherwise. So, if I ha- yeah, because you only have to have one of each of them next to the general, right? Uh, no. If the Italian king is a from this battalion is your general, and the tidecaster and soul scryer from this battalion are within three inches of him, so I think they have to still be close. Never mind. So you do have to keep. So yeah. You have to keep them oh, okay, but if you're, that's a shame. If you're concerned about drops, though, I suppose you can just add them in. But yeah, then yeah, you have to keep all five of them near each other to get that bonus, which is would be harder. Which makes mm-hmm. me question why, huh? Oh, and then their allies get tied of death because yeah, that's that's kind of awesome. He that's it's it's the, it's the people of the High King. If he wants to let them ride the wave. Then, uh, then they get to. Yeah, but that is a, the command trait. If you do Iron Rack, so you don't get any of the other ones. Yeah, yeah, you have to pick this one. So, mm-hmm. which is weird, because if you do Iron Rack with Voltornis, who is from Iron Rack, you don't get this. Oh, that's right, because he can't change his stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you take an Iron Rack, wait, if you take an Iron Rack Enclave, but your general is Volturnus, yes, then he can't take this command trait, even though he has to take this command trait, because he has to have his own special command trait, because you can't tweak special characters. But if he's the diplomatic one, he still can't take allies to benefit Tide's death. Wait, what? Okay, so the command trait, the Einrak general has to take emissary of the deep places. Oh yeah, so he, uh, he so he can't do this. That's dumb. <laughs> I mean, not that he's not awesome already for two hundred eighty points, but that goes against everything you would. I mean, he's the one who's literally trying to do this in the story, and he's yes. the only one who can't do this. Correct. I almost oh god, I almost want to see them FAQ and be like, oh, okay. He can take it. Yeah. It's just, why would you? Yeah, that's just weird. That's weird. That's the thing where the rule goes directly against what you would expect for the lore. Exactly. All right. So let's go through these others, and then you could tell me which ones are the good ones. Because I'm, now I'm questioning. No, they're this. all good. Oh, they are all um, good. Yeah. It just not a doesn't bad one make any sense with the Volturns. This whole book, yes. there's nothing bad in this book. That's, But it's good because that means you have a lot of options. You're not just going to see the same exactly. Zilf in. I'm not, I'm or... not complaining. I just This is, this is what you should be doing in all of these. Battle tomes. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. it's like you said, with that Zilfin, when one thing is like, oh, this works so much better with this army than anything else. Well, and it's like Staunch Defender. It's so good that it's dumb. Yes. And it's not even that it's the greatest thing in the world, but it's just leaps and bounds better than any other option. So, 
All right, exactly. Bring in the Domhain. So for these guys, these are your combat ones. Um, in your combat phase, reroll hit rolls of one for Akalian and the Marty units that made a charge move in the same turn. So if they charge, they get a bonus, which is nice. And then you get to reroll failed wound rolls for Domhain Akalian units if the target is a monster. Because uh, these guys are from the realm of Gur. Oh, that's right. So they're used to bringing down the big boys. Yeah, they get a bonus. Also, in that uh, War Scroll Battalion, where it's the the turtle, one to two sharks and two to four eels, you can take actually up to six eels. Up to six units of eels. Yeah. That's just yeah, and it, well, I mean, hey, if you're taking that, you might as well, right? I mean. If I'm taking mm-hmm. the Achillean core, I almost really want to take this one, don't I? If I if I'm trying to max out on those units, yeah, if you want to. Okay, uh, and then wait, Axi fighters. Okay, these guys, um, they get to reroll wound rolls of one for the mounts. That's good, and reroll hit rolls of one for the units that are affected by the flood tide ability. Um, from the Tides of Death table. In addition, whenever they would be affected by the Ebb Tide, they're instead affected by the Flood Tide. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty good too, isn't it? I mean, I'm not missing these things. I don't remember what. Okay, so this one you can play two different ways, depending on who your general is. So if your general is a Tide caster. Mm-hmm. You can flip the chart upside down, and you treat ebb tide as flood tide, which is run and charge. You can run and charge turn one with these guys. Or run and shoot with the guys in the back who are already fast and getting a three-inch move bonus because they're by the ne- the correct guy. Right. Oh. You can and run then, and shoot or run and charge, and then the next turn you're at high tide. And then the next turn you're run and charge and, or run and shoot again. Oh, that's good. Because you go back to actual flood tide. Or if you keep the tide chart as it is, you still get cover, run and charge, high tide, run and charge, cover. Yeah, that's nice. And uh, these guys... Um, the other bonus they have, oh, their own, that bonus is only in the phalanx. Which you'll never play with. Yeah, and you can include up to six Akelian core. Oh, shut up. Because that's Yeah, the battalion ability for these guys is not that great. No. But their basic revel and slaughter is actually really good. Yeah, getting to flip the script like that with the right general, and then suddenly they're getting that other vote. Yeah, because that it just it suits them much more. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So, what about more fun? Yeah, these guys are my favorite. Uh, oh, okay, just because, but we'll go with it. So, the first of which, um, so these guys are the really good ones that oh, bring guys dumb. back. So, when a soul render uses their lure light ability. Add three to the number of models that are returned. So it's D three plus the number he kills, which could be up to seven. But now up it's to four because so, he only has saying. two attacks. It's the talent hook, right? But what I'm saying is he can do so the four plus the three, the D three plus up to four, so he can get up to seven, right? 
Because um, doesn't the Talonhook do two damage? Talonhook does two damage each swing, so that's four damage. So potentially four. Yeah, potentially three four. from Soul Magic Adepts, which is the Morphon's ability, and then D three from the Lantern. So that's anywhere between eight and ten. Yeah, that's good. If you do the Namardi Core, which automatically makes it a three, you're, if you do max damage on the Talon Hook, that's an auto ten. Or at minimum, auto six. Yeah. And then you can take even more thralls in the. Uh, now, this Namardi one has core. actually been FAQ'd. Okay. Um, it's Namardi Reavers. Because the battalion oh, right. for the core is already two to six right, units right. of yes. thralls. Yes, I, I, I had that on my little notes here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Tidecasters from Morphon know Freezing Mist instead of a spell from the Lore of the Deeps. So if you take a Tidecaster, this is what they automatically get in Morphon. So it's cast value six. If it goes off, you pick an enemy unit within 12 inches of the caster that they can see. And until your next hero phase, they can only move one inch when it piles in. And any abilities that would increase its pile-in move are ignored. Oh, shut up. So it's not amazing, but it's going to prevent your your opponent from moving and getting into positions to get around you. Uh, yeah, and it also gives you a little more flexibility in combat because you hit somebody with this, you can activate someone else that's just as an important combat, and then you're only going to be hit back with the guys that are within an inch plus reach onto the other unit that you're wanting to be fighting with. Very nice. So it gives you a little bit of flexibility there. Cool. That, that that actually is pretty good. I can see how you like that one. All yes, right, the plus the Nautilar. color scheme is baller. <laughs> All right, the Nautilar. Uh Reroll fail hit rolls for units in the combat phase if they charge. So all failed hit rolls. That's good. Nope. Nope. You can reroll failed hit rolls in the combat phase if they charge. That's all of them. If the target. Oh, if they made a charge move. Oh, I'm totally misreading everything. Once again, this is why I don't win games. So if I get charged, I can reroll failed hit rolls. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, oh, and if you're taking the Achillean core, you can take an extra turtle. Mm-hmm. That's actually good. That is very good. Keeping that in and getting the extra drop and getting them to be a part of that, uh, because oh, because the whole their whole ability is being within twelve inches of the Leviathan, and now you've got two. Yeah. And if these guys, if you're now, these are the ones that are thematically on the back of the giant sea beast, right? So these guys are the defensive ones. If you have a unit of thralls within 12 inches of a Leviathan, they get a four up save for being in cover. Never mind the shield, never mind a shipwreck. And they get to reroll every, all their failed to hit rolls. And this is just thralls, not even the eels. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah. I wouldn't and then they get a fun about spell, too. Yeah. Uh, protective barrier. Casting value of four. So try and fail it. Uh, pick a friendly Nautilar unit within 12 inches of the caster that's visible to them. Until your next hero phase, worsen the rend characteristic of that target unit by one. And that's a spell. Of attacks that target the unit by one. So, you're essentially, if you're within range of a turtle, you're adding a two-point swing in rend because you're worsening by one. You're ignoring one and then bumping your save by one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. It's pretty gnarly. And why don't you take the last one here? The Briamdar? Yes. So for this one, if a Soul Scryer uses the Finder of Ways ability, up to three units can join him instead of only two. Um, and in addition, you can set up the units that join him wholly within 18 inches of the Scryer instead of wholly within 12. So you have a lot more deployment ability. Well, and you need um, that because you're adding a whole other unit. Yeah, well, you're adding a whole other unit, but... If you put a Soul Scryer with a Soul Scryer, you can essentially ambush two units, point the finger at two different units, oh. and hit them at the same time. So good. Yeah. Um, and then the Unstoppable Raiders. Um, Briamdar units that cannot normally fly ignore terrain features when they move as if they could fly. And then note that this does not allow them to ignore enemy models. So they just kind of float through terrain with no issue at all. Oh, that's good. Because they need that. Um, and then their Namardi core can include up to six units of Reavers. Oh, These okay. guys read to me more like the old Wood Elves. Yeah. Than the other versions. Yeah. So literally, depending on your play style, any of these can be really good. Yes. And you can do a lot of different play styles because you can literally take the several different units as battle line depending on your leader. Yeah. Um, thralls are basic battle line for these guys. Uh, if your general is an Isharan, then Reavers become battle line as well. And if your general is a king, th then you get uh, the eels as battle line of course you do so unless you take an eidolon as your general you're going to have two battle line options regardless at least all right so starting out what do you suggest for someone who's starting out i mean obviously they could play to whatever suits their fancy but um well the first thing is the boats realistically if you're gonna just get started one is fine because you can do the two halvesies. Right. But if you're going to commit to this army, get two boats. Okay. Um, and then it's really what models do you like? The fastest way to start is a king and eels. Um, and then you have the thralls or whatever. Um, an Eidolon would not be a bad pickup at all. Either yeah, version. If for no other reason than it's beautiful. 
for no other reason than it's beautiful. I don't think you need the turtle um, unless you're going to play the core or you're going to play Nautilar. Okay. So I think you have a lot of different options depending on the models that you like and the play style that you want to do. Um, it's just, it's a builder's delight really of whatever you want to do. Cause there's not the worst option in here. I think objectively a lot of people said is the shark, but an Alapex is still nothing to sneeze at because it moves very quickly. It flies and it can tear a character apart once it gets back there. So, and it's the only thing that has like a real, like consistent long range for an effective move. Cause like you get six shots off the turtle. That's all well and good, but you get a unit of, Alapexes with the net launchers, you can actually put some serious range damage on something. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah. Wow. This is a lot to take in. It is a lot. It can be very overwhelming. I am. Um, I am overwhelmed, and I'm tired, and now I'm just, like, I can't even figure like there's a lot to process it's so much but when you're playing against these guys figure out how their mechanics work like once they decide if they take a tide caster as a general they're gonna lose command abilities they're gonna lose flood tide or the lord of tides from the general they're not gonna get eels as battle line it's gonna be thralls and reavers so they take at least three units of those and then whatever else if they're going to flip the script on you, you have to be ready to adapt to it and watch the Soul Scryers. Those are probably the big thing that's going to make a difference is because you're going to have a chunk of their army that's not on the table yet. And with that bit of advice, I think we're done. You think we're done? And then or watch their more? allies. There's one more. Watch what they take for allies. Okay. This boat is about 12 feet long and a good size width. Do we know anybody that likes a terrain feature like that? Um, oh, you got your... Uh, toot toot. Yeah, you got toot toot. So he's got a 5-inch move, run, 15-inch blast, and there's a boat right in front of you. Yeah, that ring is going to be huge, isn't it? Especially if you're trying to get it around is. it. Yeah. And there's two of these things on the table. So watch where the boats go. And if they've got a toot-toot, stay extra away from the boat. But then that's also controlling where you go. Uh, this is just dumb. <laughs> It is a very unique army to fight that has a lot of different ways to play it. I can see why people, I can see why even you have broken your no elf rule for this. Because this is, I mean, you know, playing this game for a decade, and you've been playing it for even more than that, too. And, hey, look, this is something completely new that doesn't play like anything else is played. Even and it can got, play various play styles within yeah. itself. I mean, it's still there's still the basic elf stuff in there. The you know, the hit and wounds, hitting at threes, 
uh, being a little squishy, but there's all sorts of stuff you could do that just, I mean, that bumping the bravery up by a ton is just a cool idea. They were elves. They're haughty. They, they, there ain't nothing that's good. I was in the belly of Slanesh. You think you can scare me? Like, it's, it's just, this is, I, I love it. I love it. I'm not playing it. I'm not buying an army, but I love it. It'll be fun to play against. Mm-hmm. Until I figure out how to beat it, which might take me a long time because I don't read the rules properly, as we've shown on this show more than once. But I think it's that's okay. it. Are we done? I think so. All right, folks. So, oof. Three and a half. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us, folks. There is a lot to cover. I um, still feel overwhelmed. Like, I mean, I know that it, it, if you're not playing it, you don't need to know all those little bits. I mean, I suppose it's better to know it so when you're playing against it, like, you're ready for it. But there's so many combos, and everything's good. And it's like, I got three types of leader, and I got that's going to pick which of those three types of things I can have for my uh, for my my everything battle line. Yeah, I mean, I'm seriously just sitting around looking at the book today, and I'm, I don't even play them, and I'm like, oh, this could be a cool list, and this could be cool, and how do these things... Just to see where all those synergies were that are going on, and it's... it's, it's I'm like, ugh. All right, well, you know what? Okay, now we're done. Um, I rambled on pointlessly. Um, so, all right, f- folks, seriously, um, please don't forget to check out uh, After Eleanor if you're 30K curious. Um... The uh, Garage Hammer Horse Heresy Book Club. It's on the Free Buddhas Network. Lots of great shows on the Free Buddhas Network, and the only place you can hear new episodes of After Olador. So um, please remember to check out the Patreon page. And before we go, we want to thank our newest patrons, Blade Duel and Christopher Rowe. And once again, his book, Telling the Map, is available wherever books are sold. Thanks for the 1%. Seriously, you guys are the best and it's awesome and we we can't thank you enough. So, all right, I guess we'll wrap this up, Alex. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, folks, until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall and only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer and Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.